Let's take this first shot. Let's do it. Shot one. Oh my god. Shot two. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Shot, shot three. three. See, I'll admit the third one's a little rough. I'm it was a little rough. Don't you do it. My mouth is watering. <laughs> That's the first side. This is three shots in. I'm fucking drunk. Hi, welcome to three shots in. I'm Jess. I'm Jake. This is episode what? Uh, hold on. Is it 14? And it's, it's episode four, 14. It is episode 14. The topic tonight is crime. That's right, crime. Non-specific, just the way we like it. And tonight, our guest is Alice. Alice, will you introduce yourself in 10 words or less? Hey, y'all. I'm just kidding. I am not that hick. I'm <laughs> I'm Alice, and hey, and I'm unfortunately Hanzo's wife, so take pity. Okay. <laughs> okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Using 20 words instead of 10. <laughs> what do you want from me? I'm a big mouth. <laughs> that's true. She she earned some extra words because she's Hanso's wife, and I'm sure that's very difficult. You know what? That's fair. It, I I get them in where I can. So, well, where where are you joining us from? Because I, I know you're over the phone. Um, Southwest Virginia. Virginia. Yes, the sticks. Yeah, that's yeah. That's don't what say that it like, like that. <laughs> don't <worry>. Cow country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have cows. There are okay. cows there. That's they, true. They got some cows. Got some donkeys. A <laughs> couple of horses. Yes. Just a couple yes. of them. Yeah, just a couple of horses. A mule here and there. I don't own any personally, no, but there are hereabouts. I'm sure someone's horses. got an alpaca around. What's that got to do with Virginia? Yeah. I don't know. Just fucking farm animals, Jessica. <laughs> Jesus Who Christ. Who wouldn't want an alpaca? And how is a alpaca a farm animal what <laughs> What's I, that so Look. personally i think alpacas are adorable and i would love to own one I at some them. point they spit Look, I'm not. I'm not here claiming that I that I know a thing about farming. Okay, I don't. I'm from Los Angeles. The only thing I farm. Right. The only thing I farm is on Farmville, which is an app on my phone. Okay. No judgment oh on you. God. Gross. Yeah, let's go back to the early 2000s and <laughs> have a look at that. How's your crops doing? Yeah, you want to know what's hilarious? I've never played Farmville. Only my fiance does. She does to this day. You just shit on her. I hope you know that. <laughs> Honestly, sorry, sorry, I, say. I stand by what I said. <laughs> I will shit on your feelings. Yeah, right. This bitch, this bitch will have me sitting in a parking lot because she's getting gas or some <laughs> shit. And she's like, I'm like, Danny, can we go? And she's like, hold on. I have to attend to my crops. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Is, hey, you know what? That's commitment. Yeah. And I'm she like, stuck with it. I'm like, dude, let's, let's get, let's get home so you can tend to my crops. You know what I mean? No. No, oh I don't. God. I don't know what that means. I don't care to know what that means. I'm just saying, like, I, I got some fresh I corn think, on the cob at home. Nope. I'm just waiting. No. Nope. I think maybe we need to take one of those shots back <laughs> and just rewind this. Try again. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob. Yeah. How was your week in ten words or less? I'm going to well, take that back. In, in ten words, because you have a script in front of you. Oh. And you are you are not following it. I, I wrote that for you. I thought this was more of a guide, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> anyway, big shout out to our lovely patrons, and their names are Sweet Sam, TJ, Jeremy, David, 
Mom and dad, of course. Also, Ricky. And I am and, missing and, someone. And Danny. And Danny, your fiance. Yeah. And, then, and Terry, um, my husband. Oh, and then there's the, two more. The last two are our own names. So we don't have to announce those. Those are the best names, though. Maybe. But I. I really thought that you were going to say, let's say a shout out to our patrons. And then it was going to get quiet. And you're going to hear crickets. <laughs> Alice, you're on thin ice. You're you're one button click away. There was a pause, and I was like, "Wait a minute, is, what's happening?" So that <laughs> Sorry, is in, that is absolutely in character, and we 100% would have done that if we did not, if we had not gotten any patrons up to this point. Yeah, if we were not in the midst of mediocre success. Maybe but we would have some crickets. We are very lucky to have nine strong patrons. Many of those are our Excellent. friends and family. Thank you guys so much. Um, and uh, tonight we took shots of what, Jake? Oh, my God. We took shots of the worst liquor known to me. It's not even liquor. It's Lic- banana banana liqueur. liqueur. It is ni- 99 bananas. It is banana, oh, banana no. flavored liqueur. And Alice, when I tell you it's banana liqueur... Please understand that I don't mean natural banana. I mean artificial runts candy tasting yeah. banana. Like imagine if that you That is exactly what popped into my head. Yes. Imagine if you went through like all of like a giant packet of runts and you picked out all the bananas and you soaked them in rubbing alcohol. And then you put that rubbing <laughs> oh, alcohol God. soaked in runts into a bottle and put a brand on it. It'd be 99 bananas. Yes. That is absolutely disgusting and I've heard of 99 bananas have you not yes i have but i have never had the pleasure wait you guys have internet of uh over in uh what is it middle of nowhere here we go (laughs) let's have fun with it enjoy (laughs) have at it i mean i understand what it's 2022 so you guys got what dial up now listen jeb (laughs) buddy good old jebediah over here Cracking his Southwest Virginia joke. <laughs> we love it. Uh, Jessica, what are you what are you drinking? I'm drinking some Shinerbach. Um, it. I've got to. I got to tell you, it's not a great compliment to the 99 bananas. I know that's a shocker. I don't Ugh. think. I don't think many things would be a compliment. No, it was actually pretty terrible. Because after the 99 bananas, I was just so desperate to drink anything else. I took sips of my Shiner, and um, it was pretty awful. It did not. It did not make my situation any better. I don't know how it was for you, though. I mean, I love me some Shiner. It did not mix well with the 99 bananas, but, you know, Shiner, Shiner. Love it. Uh, Alice, are you, are you drinking anything at all? Maybe some maybe some water, um, some, some Diet Coke? <laughs> what? See, are you going to the southern area? What if I told you I was drinking sweet tea? How would you <laughs> like that? Oh, shit. I wasn't going to get that stereotypical. Are you drinking sweet tea? <laughs> I mean, it's delicious, and with some lemon, just what is wrong with sweet tea? You you no, load your glass up with you're, ice. You're right. There's nothing wrong. It's great with some sweet tea with a little lemon. That makes a no, lot of it's sense. Refreshing. I yeah. bet it is. Yes. Yeah. So some sweet tea with some delightful. lemon. I'm. Is it is it your mamma's recipe? Ninety nine. Listen, I am ninety nine point nine percent sure it was better than those bananas. So it, there's that. That is for sure. It is 100% better. Yeah. That's, that is that is a strong yeah. response. Definitely better. Yeah. 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 
Well, Alice. Um, yes. I know you've listened to a, a handful of episodes of the show, if that. Yes. At least. Yes, I have. At least. So you are familiar with the wheel. Yes. Yes. We are going to have to spin it now, and I will spin it for you in spirit. Are you ready? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> All right. Where did we land? That's a good, strong spin. Thank you. Thanks, Alice, for this, the, you know. Spiritual spin. <laughs> spiritual support. Nothing. <laughs> All right. We landed on who would you slap at the Oscars? <laughs> That's a oh, hot topic shit. right now. <sighs> so obviously, like, right, just like most Americans, none of us watch the Oscars. Right. But. Yeah, if yeah. you were to imagine the Oscars and imagine an actor there that you would like to slap, Jessica, um, you are not allowed to say that person. I will not be allowed to say my person. Meaning I can't say Nicolas Cage, whom I detest. And you cannot say <laughs> Tobey Maguire, whom you detest. That's correct. I see. Okay. Cloris Leachman? Is, that, <laughs> is she still alive? Is she still I'm alive? Sure. Who? You would slap a possibly dead person? You, did you say? Did you say... Who? With Gloris Leachman? What? Gloris Leachman. I have no idea who that is. She was, uh, I mean, I mean, so many things. Uh, do you remember, we'll, we'll say this more recent. Do you remember The Wedding Singer? I never watched yeah. The Wedding Singer. Okay. I mean. Oh my God. Somebody get him a Google. Who who doesn't have internet? I'm sorry. I'm, gonna, it, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, rather yeah. than name a bunch of movies, I'm just going to look up a picture. All right, so there you go. Since we're naming dead actors, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's Cloris Leachman, spelled with a C. I always thought it was a G, and she is alive. Yeah, that's her. Are you serious? Oh no, I recognize her. I'd slap Man, her too. That's a good answer. How actually, how old is she? How old it? is she? No, give me one second. Give me one second. She has passed away. Oh my gosh! Okay, Alice. and it was. Very recently. It was January 27th, oh, 2021. That wound is still fresh and you oh. slapped it. How dare you? Man. <laughs> the first, honestly, it was the first person that popped into my head. I don't know why, but it was. <laughs> you know wow. what? I appreciate the honesty personally. Yes. I don't really have anything against the woman, but. <laughs> That's a nice young picture of her. She's slappable. Okay. She's slappable. <laughs> She's more slappable with, with her bitch. wrinkles. Yeah, sure. Maybe we could straighten her out. I'm just saying. Maybe we could. Maybe you could have, but she's dead now, Alice. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. <laughs> well, well, you know what, Jacob? Who are you slapping then? You know what? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked because you know who I think is not a fantastic actress, but is somehow becoming like one of the highest paid actresses. Who's that? You f fucking, what's her name? Uh, she's, <laughs> That's not helpful to me. Uh, Zendaya. Zendaya? Zendaya, I'm gonna oh, slap God. the shit out of Zendaya. I like her. Look, I like her too, but she is not that great of an actress. She has no right to be being paid millions of dollars to make euphoria, 
Okay. Oh. Bullshit. She's definitely no Cloris Leachman. <laughs> she is Where's not. That? She is. I'm going to slap her. No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring her back down to reality. Okay? I see. It's in an effort to to grant her, bless her with humility. Yes. Also, if I slapped her, that means her boyfriend, Tom Holland, would try to fight me, right? Because he's he's a man. He would do that. He would fight me. No. And I think there's like a 50-50 chance that I could take Tom Holland. 50-50, you think? 50-50. Yeah. See, I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure their relationship is like a publicity thing. You know? Oh, you don't think it's real? I don't. I think it's just to promote the movies. He's shorter than her. I just don't see it, you know? Not that that's hey, a super, hey, I'm now. sorry, I'm sorry, hold on, I'm sorry, I forgot whose company I was in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I know, like, Hanso and I are on the, we're, we are at the exact same height, we're both standing at 5'6", you know, so I get it. I understand that the heart wants what the heart wants. I just gotta I'm say. 5'8". <laughs> but the, what they say is true. He's got a small penis. It's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. Oh, <laughs> I see. Good for you. Good for yeah. him. How, Ma- mazel tov. Yeah. yeah. How many children do you have? Two. Two children. You can't have two children if there's if there's no motion in that you ocean. You got to have some motion in that ocean. There is motion. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> no, no, please don't. I don't want to hear about that. No, let's hear it. I want, I want every excruciating detail. I was, I was not interested in any of that motion when I first encountered Sir Hanzo. But after someone calls you beautiful redheaded woman for hours on end, you you kind of just tolerate them to get them to shut up. And then at that point, I was living with him already. It it was crazy. It's with a blink of an eye, and he, here I am. He it, wore you down. Dragged it's, down. It's insane, you know, he statistically did. how how quickly Stockholm syndrome can can affect a, can affect yes. a woman. It was nearly instantaneous. <laughs> so it was. I look back now, and I think, why? Why? But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So who am I slapping at the Oscars? Yeah. Who is very it? interesting to me? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about the Oscars in like, I mean, I don't know, since I was a teenager. It's relatable. No one really does. I would slap a man. Okay. You know, I would relish in that power I have over him that the wheel is yeah. granting me the ability to slap a man who cannot slap me back. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> I would slap. Remember, it's the Oscars, so it's got to be an actor. Right. And I, I am trying really hard to think of one that I, I would really like to slap that is not the one you know I would. Because right. I detest him as To be said. fair, I don't think he's ever been at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would slap, I don't remember his name. So you remember Home Alone with Joe Pesci? Yeah. Oh, God. The guy who was his, like, partner, his, the, uh, like, fellow thief. Oh, yeah. Taller guy, curly nice. hair. I really like him a lot. But I, he seems like he could take a slap. And I would really give him my all. And I think we would just have more respect for each other as a result. He could definitely take a slap. You'd hug it out after. Right, right. Are you looking him up right now? I'm pulling it up real quick. His name is Daniel Stern. I would slap him. I would slap some Daniel Stern. He played Merv. Marv. Marv. Yeah. That's right. He was was one of the the wet bandits. I would slap a wet bandit at Mm -hmm. the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is it wet? Is the bandit wet before or after you slap it? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. 
I mean, no. ideally, it was after. it was it was damp before the slap. <laughs> it's wet it post slap. On soaked. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, those are all our wheel answers, and we're gonna move into someone's story now. Who are we beginning with? Jen? So we're gonna we're gonna start with. Um, I mean, probably the most well-spoken person here. Uh, that would oh, be me. Got it. That's me. We're starting with my story. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Jacob is very proud of his notes. He gloated to me before we began recording. I did. I printed them out. I got all these on. It's on paper. It's on, on some hi- nice. I he, got I got highlighter on this yeah, bitch. Yeah, he highlighted. I even added some handwritten notes in there, too. Go ahead. So, Great. So I was told that Alice is a big true crime fanatic. Yes. Aficionado. Aficionado. Yes. There we go. And I was told, don't look up anything that happened in North America, Australia, the United Kingdom, or most of Europe. So that left me, that left <laughs> <Yes>. me with... I must verbatim what I told her. Yeah, too. so that, that left me with very little to, to work with. And so I decided I wanted to look up a place that I'd never heard of. So I went to Google Maps, okay, and I just started scrolling and just trying to find a place that I had never heard of. And I'm sorry, I found it. does that mean you could not think of a place outside of those places just out of your own mind? I couldn't think of a place that I had never heard of, Jessica. How would that happen? You'd never heard of <laughs> Asia? Of course I have. I wanted to find a country that I haven't heard of oh, before. Oh, I see. Yes, there are oh, many whoa, countries. Whoa, whoa. I probably can name 10. You and I just discovered Belarus was a country recently. I thought it was a city. <laughs> so... <laughs> I found what I thought was a country at first, and it did in fact used to be, but it was purchased by another country. So it's a, it's a part of Norway. It's called Svalbard. Svalbard. That's right. So it's mm-hmm. like it's like north of Norway, east of England, east of Greenland. Sorry. Uh, so very close to the North Pole. Okay. Uh, it's very cold. You know, it's chilly. one of those it's one of those thirty days of night kind of places. A bit chilly. It's probably it's probably a little chilly up there. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's one of the most, or one of the northernmost settlements on Earth, okay, is Svalbard, and there's a city there called Longyearbyen. I'm sorry, can you pronounce that one more time? <laughs> you, yo, you heard me. Longyearbyen. <laughs> okay, so, I can just see him looking that up and clicking the little microphone like 20 times. <laughs> just make uh, sure that he got it right. No, I don't do That's what Jessica does. I make this shit up, so... <laughs> If I'm pronouncing anything wrong, just know I'm confident in my my incorrect pronunciation. So that's where our, that's where our story is going to take place. Okay, but first, okay, we're gonna start with a man named Maxim Popov. Popov, you Popov, say? Popov, I did say. So obviously, <laughs> Popov. This is a Russian man. Okay, and in fall of 2018, late fall of 2018. That's recent. The unemployed 29-year-old Maxim Popov was living in Volgograd, Russia. Whoa. He had become desperate. (laughs) He became helpless, hopeless. And he thought, I just want to shoot myself. Poor Popov. I know. It's rough. (laughs) Poor guy. But, you know, he wanted to go about things the right way. Sure. And so he wanted to get a firearm legally in Russia. Okay. Which requires a psychiatric evaluation. Unfortunately. So, he, you know, he, he's suicidal. They're not going to give him a gun. He's not going to pass that psyche valve. Okay. So, what does he do 
he goes online on the internet. Uh, Alice, you might what, not know this, but it's called means? the World Wide Web. Okay. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Pray. I want you to, right now, I want you to bow your head and say, Lord, please don't let me meet Alice in person. Because <laughs> she'll be the last person I ever meet. <laughs> Please continue with your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Popov, he found himself reading about a remote outpost in the Arctic that's popular with Russian tourists. And it's also known as one of the easiest places on the planet to rent a gun. Oh. And and that was Longyearbyen. Longyearbyen? That's right. (laughs) So... There's a, it's, wow. this, it's this tiny little town, right? In Svalbard. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Svalbard <laughs> is already very small, it sounds like. No, Svalbard is pretty big. How big is it? I mean, it's like half the size of Greenland. What's like, its population? Well, we're about to get there. The population of Svalbard is only about 2,200. Mm, that's pretty small. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, Canada, right? Canada's pretty big, but their population's not as big as the United States because, you know, it's Canada. Sure. What's the population of Long hey. Longyearbyen? 2,200. There's only one settlement in Svalbard. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one settlement in Svalbard, and that is Longyearbyen. <laughs> so. <laughs> Say that three times fast. I, I cannot. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so in Longyearbyen, there are about 2,200 people. Okay, they're about 800 miles south of the North Pole. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, close enough, mm-hmm. right? But still far, you know, because nothing can actually be that close uh, and, you know, have, like, a population, that is. So, obviously, like I said, they were purchased by Norway, and they were, they're known as a archipelago. Interesting. I don't know what that means. I thought about Googling it, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you pronouncing it correctly? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. But, you know, we'll move, move past that. Okay. So Longyearbyen for, for centuries was, was known as, an, as, a, as a base for whalers and for trappers. Uh, in the early 1900s, it became, a, it became a coal mining community that was populated mostly by Norwegians and Russians, right? Because they're right there. They're all right next to each other. But after the Svalbard airport opened. Fancy. In 1975, that's right. Longyearbyen. <laughs> emerged as a tourist destination. How exciting. I know, some 150,000 travelers come <laughs> each up in year. The world. <laughs> yeah, they do. They 150,000 people visit each year by plane or cruise ship. Wow. It's exciting. Uh, that is. Many job. Yeah, thank you. Many who visit decide to venture into the frozen <laughs> wilderness, the tundra, the tundra on on their snowmobiles or their dog sled tours. Wow. All right. That sounds exciting. But most, me up. most people decide to visit the most famous structure in the Arctic. Is it the only structure there? Probably. It is the Global <laughs> Seed Vault. Seed Vault? That's is it a right. vault, in fact? It is. Built inside of a mountain, Ooh. this, quote, doomsday vault was created in 2008 and stores nearly a million samples of plant seeds so that crops might be restored following a global catastrophe. Wow. So, wow. so Longyearbyen is kind of important, okay? Longyearbyen. Why have you never you heard clearly of this? Clearly, get it together. Gosh. <laughs> so all around the edges of Longyearbyen, there are warning signs that say, I was gonna, I was gonna try to read that. 
<laughs> in like the Norwegian or whatever. No, but. please, please do, please continue. Yes, we need to. We need that. All right, Nor- all right. Nor- Nor- Norway wants to hear so, it too. So quote, Gilder Hellisvalbjard. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 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 so that translates to, to all over Svalbard. That sounded very authentic, Jacob. Thank you. You can do the X. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank did you, you practice? I did not. I just, I just, I just, I just rolled with it. So, so that translates to all over Svalbard, and on the sign there's an illustration of a silhouette of a polar bear. Oh. Oh. So. Uh-huh. Because there are polar bears all over Svalbard. Okay. Uh, they That's even terrifying. Yes. Well, the the people in Svalbard <laughs> yeah. claim that. Oh God. Uh, there are even more polar bears than there are people. <laughs> I think quite, I know where this is going. Quite a bit of polar bears. So, me me too. I'm sensing some some ominous oh. narration here. Well, Somebody's getting eaten today. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, Tuck in, kids. The, the, the people of Svalbard are required to carry a rifle for protection when they leave town. Even tourists Whoa. who frequently, you know, they go to visit and they walk the streets have guns slung across their shoulders just in case a polar bear oh. decides to attack. Sounds like it's a very real threat. Yes, yes They're it is. They're very aggressive. I don't know. I'm pretty sure polar bears are the only bear on record that go out of their way to hunt humans. Oh, see, I didn't well, know that. see, I was right and didn't know it. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, Thanks. So, <laughs> so in Longyearbyen, uh, the grocery store, city hall, the bank, and other establishments, they have these posted no rifle signs outside. They provide lockers that you can store your weapon in because, you know, everyone has to have one. So renting a rifle Clearly. For, for protection from bears requires only the completion of a simple permit application, which, quote, the ability to remain sober long enough to visit either of the sporting goods stores in town that supplies firearms is sufficient. So long as you're sober when you fill out the permit, you're good to go. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of form I prefer to fill out. Yeah. And right. Popoff thought the same. Oh, I forgot about you. Pop-off. Forgot about Popov, which is why he decided this was the perfect place to end his life. Oh my God, is he gonna commit suicide by polar bear? <laughs> We're not there yet. Okay, so long year. Can have yourself there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Let's not jump ahead. <laughs> the anticipation was too much for me. So I know I'm I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so long year bin has very few roads for cars. In fact, there are very little cars. They get around mostly- I'm sorry, you say the cars are very small? They're, they're very, they're, no, they are very few. <laughs> oh. Yes. They are, they are not large in number. Okay. Okay. Most people use snowmobiles or skis, surprisingly. Yeah. To travel the town? That's right, to get around. I see. Okay. But in Long European, there's a man. His name is Helstad. Okay. He's originally from hmm. Nyksund. <laughs> <laughs> in Norway. <laughs> okay. Excellent job. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Um, You're welcome. And he now he now lives in Svalbard. Uh, there is in fact no indigenous population in Svalbard, but it surprisingly has it's a pretty cold. It, it's really fucking cold. But the population is surprisingly <laughs> diverse. There's more than fifty nationalities represented. 
though mostly are Norwegian. Of right? course. But the dominant language is actually English. So. Ah, what a relief to me as an uh, English-speaking tourist. You could visit Svalbard when and we get go around. next week to <laughs> Svalbard via polar bear. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So back to Helstad. Okay, he pursued an opportunity to transfer from working at a bank in Vesterlin <laughs> Islands. Okay, okay, off the coast of Norway, uh, and he decided to go manage the branch in Longyearbyen. Okay, okay. all right. Uh, yeah. he, he has stated, quote, you can leave your door open here and the key in the car. Everybody knows each other. There's almost no crime at all, right? It's a very safe town. Everyone knows it. it's only 2000 people. All you right. Know? I mean, why threaten each other when the polar bears are all constantly the, threatening that's right. you? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They've got all the aggression we need. <laughs> in, in fact, the only crime that ever happens is the occasional pub fight, the drunken snowmobiler. <laughs> Or the mo the more common boot stealer. <laughs> so I'm looking at that right now because I was curious. <laughs> so I did a quick Google search, and that is what popped up immediately. Was that people sometimes steal other people's shoes? They do back on the way outside. <laughs> that is they great. do. They steal boots. <laughs> yes. It's wonderful. So. <laughs> After about 18 hours of traveling, Popov landed in the Svalbard airport, okay, in, in mid-December of 2018. So it's fucking cold, okay? Sounds like it. It's yeah. in fact so cold, it is, it's known as, quote, the dark season. Oh. That's the stretch between October and February when the sun never rises above the horizon. Ah, uh, North Pole rules. Yes. So... Ugh. He, he landed at the airport, and just like most of the other travelers who arrived, he caught a bus for a short ride into town. A little greyhound? Just, um, probably not a greyhound, but, you know, a, a greyhound. A tiny one. A greyhound. A greyhound. <laughs> uh, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> I should have seen it coming. So once he got into town, that's young Yerbian, uh, he checked into his hotel. He spent a couple of days actually exploring the town and just kind of seeing the sights. That's nice. And, you know, he visited the restaurants, the shops, but Popov eventually decided to get down to business. So he went to the sporting goods store where he decided to secure his gun. Uh, across from the grocery store was the Long Year 78 Outdoors and Expeditions. That's a store? That's, hmm. that's the, the sporting store oh. where you can rent a gun. The In fact, he could rent a gun for only 190 kroner per day. Is kroner their currency? It is their currency. It's about 20 bucks. Oh. Yeah. And before he even left Russia, Popov actually filled out an online application and he was approved. So now he's inside the long year 78 outdoors and expeditions. <laughs> <laughs> he shows his ID. The clerk gives him a detailed explanation of how to operate the weapon. And now he is free to walk out the door with his rifle over his shoulder, just like everyone else. Okay. Nice. So once Popov had the gun in his hand, he kind of began losing his nerve. So he decided, you know what? Let me just. He's much. I'm sorry. By his nerve, you mean he's much less suicidal now? Yes. Yes. He's scared. Right. Okay. This this rifle is no joke. It's meant to kill polar bears. <laughs> so you can imagine what kind of caliber <laughs> this chamber has. Meaning. <laughs> If he was suicidal, this would get the job done, no question. <laughs> his his head would yeah. explode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 
that that night he goes back to his his hotel room. There was no sun. He was far from home. He was in a strange place, and he was sure that he didn't want to go back to Russia. Okay. But he also decided that he didn't want to die anymore either. Oh, that's nice. So, a, a new solution. <laughs> a new solution dawned. He would do something that would allow him to stay right there in Norway. Okay. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> so he looked at his rifle. His and polar bear killing. His polar rifle. bear killing rifle, and undoubtedly he thought, "There's only one bank in town." Oh my God! Is he gonna rob the bank? Oh, good lord. So. <laughs> Can we go back to believing he's going to get eaten by a polar bear? There are there are no polar bears in the story. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so on December 21st, just before 9 a.m., Helsted, remember him? He's, he's the manager yes. of the bank. He walks over to his one-story building, hanging with icicles, right? It's freezing. I'm sure. I'm sure. The houses, the, the long European post office, and finally he arrives at the, at the bank. Meaning the only buildings in the town? Basically. That's downtown is yes. the bank and a few other buildings. That's right. Okay. And and he greeted his two-person staff, and he sat at his corner office, and he was just chilling. Then at 1040, so about an hour and a half later, Christine Meyerbostead <laughs> was, was standing behind... Um, are you questioning her name? Her name is Christine Meyerbostad. Meyerbostad. Okay. She was standing behind the counter in the lobby. Okay when a dark-haired man came in. Oh my goodness. Carrying a rifle. You ominous me. <laughs> there were no other customers in the bank. It was Popov. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And it was literally, ready to pop off. Literally the only dude she, only dude she doesn't recognize. <laughs> uh, he walks in, he aims the rifle at her, and speaking in English that he had learned online, he says, this is not a joke. This is a robbery. I need 100,000. Oh. Yes. <laughs> That's clear enough. Yes. So, Meyer Bastad, she walked with Popov to her manager's office, Helstad. And at first, Helstad didn't realize what was going on, right? He assumed Popov was just some tourist who didn't see that the, the sign on the door that says, you know, you're not allowed to bring a gun in the building. Meaning, who in their right mind would rob a bank in Svalbard? Who? Who would do so? The only bank there Indeed. is. Indeed. So Helstad told Popov, you need to leave the bank. You're not allowed to have a weapon in here. And Popov instead aimed his rifle at Helstad. And he said, this is not a joke. This is a robbery. I need 100,000. <laughs> so Helstad tried to get Popov to understand the circumstances. Right. Right. He's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in frozen <laughs> darkness, in an outpost with one small airport, a single phone call could close the entire town, and there was absolutely no chance of Popov getting away. And he told him, this is not a good idea for you, Popov. And Popov said, I need money. You give money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Helstead decided to oblige. He called his other employee, Sven Johansson. The only other employee. <laughs> the only other. <laughs> Sven Johansson. <laughs> That is the most Norwegian name I've ever heard. I know. And he told really? Johansson to follow Popov's orders. So Johansson grabbed a stack of kroner and 100,000 kroner, which was worth about 8,000 US dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he put it on the table. Popov stuffed his pockets, uh, the pockets of his winter coat, 
Yes. <laughs> with his kroner. What other kind of coat would it be? And he walked out into, right. the, into the pitch black day. <laughs> <laughs> into the darkness of yes. early morning. That's correct. So now we're going to flash. afternoon We're going to flash to Officer Freddie Lamo. Okay. Okay. Who was told about the robbery which was downhill from the police department, and he figured this was a mistake or a joke or whatever. Because who would, in their right mind, would, would rob a bank in Svalbard? No one. So after learning that it had really happened, he tried to think of, like, oh, shit, like, what do we fucking do? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what to do. So he thought, oh, shit, well, the officers are going to need some weapons or something. So they got weapons. Polar bear rifles. Then he thought, we're going to need a plan for surrounding the bank. So they, they drew up a plan. I'm assuming it was just a circle around a bank, <laughs> around the bank. <laughs> and so, and he also thought, oh my God, what if the robber is, is running around town and he's dangerous to people? So he called the schools and told them to keep the children indoors. Because okay? the population is 2,200. There's probably like 20 children <laughs> in their schools. So about 15 minutes after Popov entered the bank and left, uh, Lamo and his four police officers pulled up hot in their police mobiles, snowmobiles. <laughs> <laughs> with their police polar bear rifles. Right. They, Keep with that. <laughs> so they, they didn't see a robber. Where was he? He couldn't have gone far, right? <laughs> Even if he had a vehicle, there's only one road. <laughs> <laughs> And it it can't afford much of an escape. If you head one direction, you get to the airport where we have police. If you go the other other direction, you reach a tree. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's really not much you could do. So he figured the only logical thing that this person could do was the robber was could jump on a snowmobile and ride into the wild. Oh, in order to oh escape God. them. Here in order to escape them. <laughs> so, if you recall, you're required to carry the rifle for your protection in the town. So, yes. there's a ton of people walking around with rifles. The cops don't know who the robber is. It's it's a whole thing. But Popov, after leaving the bank, he was eager to get rid of his gun. He didn't want it anymore. Oh. Yes. So, after leaving the bank, he crossed the street and he went to Long Year 78. <laughs> Outdoors and expeditions. Did he return his polar bear rifle? So, so that he could return his rifle. <laughs> um, he, what a polite young man. Yes. And uh, the clerk uh, reprimanded him, actually, because he said, why are you returning a loaded gun? So, because he was supposed to unload it before returning oh, it. Oh, I see. So the clerk was pissed. Mercy. This fucking idiot, mm-hmm. right? So Popov then decided to use one of the nearby phones and he called his mother. How sweet. Who lived in Volgograd, just like he did. And he told her that he had committed a robbery. Oh. So his mom told him, motherfucker, run. Get Not, your ass uh, over there and you turn yourself in right now. Oh, no, no, no. She said to flee. I'm going to hide. She run. said to run. Sorry. Flee the authority. Oh. Yes. That's her Get advice. the fuck out oh. of there. Oh. Wow. And Good he, and, he, mom. and he told her, mom, there's nowhere to run. <laughs> I'm on an island. There's nowhere to go. And later, right, at his criminal trial, because he did get caught, obviously. I'm shocked. uh, He had told the police that he decided not to run. And so he walked back, you know, across the street to the bank 
and he intended to return the cash because he had done something wrong. Sure. Uh, Lamo arrested the shit out of Popov after, while he was approaching the building. The first criminal in <laughs> yes. like Svalbard's history. That's right. He ordered him to the ground. They had all their all their guns that they've literally never used <laughs> just aimed at him, and they cuffed him, and that was that. They arrested him, and on May in May of 2019. A district, a district court in Norway convicted Popov on counts of gross threats, coercive force, and illegal use of arms. He was ordered to pay 20,000 kroner. Which amounts to? Or $2,300 <laughs> to, to Helston. Oh my God. And the two other employees of the bank, right? He was sentenced to one year and two months <laughs> in the Tromso. Is that the Svalbardian prison? I'm assuming. <laughs> And when, <laughs> when when Popov was released, he was expelled from Norway. All of Norway? All of Norway. Oh my gosh. They said, get the fuck out. <laughs> you retard. You absolute dumbass bank robber. So Helsted, remember the manager of the bank, he honestly believed that Popov was remorseful and he forgave him for his transgressions. Oh, that's nice. But he goes, the, the police in, in Longyearbyen go on to say that coinciding with the robbery, there's been a broader uptick in crime. One person had their fuel canisters swiped from their yard. Whoa. Another <sighs> had an engagement ring lifted from a locker. He no <gasps> longer leaves his laptop. Trend. He no longer leaves his laptop unattended at the cafe. And people have started locking their cars and their homes. Svalbard has a cafe? It does. It's called the Freen. <laughs> well delightful it sounds like svalbard aka long year bien i'm sorry is it long year bien or young year bien with an l or an a y literally a literally the word long year <laughs> long year followed by the bien yeah bien, <laughs> bien. yes yes so long year bien i would like to mark on our places to visit for podcast reasons, long year bien. Yes. So that we can see this bank in which all of this crime took place. We could probably meet Helston <laughs> if we go. He's probably I, still working. I want to go. And I mean, if you, I'd Googled it because I've got to know the things. And it, it's kind of adorable. I showed, so, Jess, I showed Jess a picture of it. It's a cute little town. It's very cute. It is. The house, the Brightly colored. Oh, I'm gonna pull it up for just again to see I it real see quick. The picture again. There it is. It's so sweet. It's looking. so cute. It's quaint. Yes. Right. Don't you look it at is. that picture of this little town? Don't you look at that picture and think, "Oh yeah, I can rob a bank and, <laughs> and escape this place." I want to go rob that bank. That is so cute. I think I want to rob it. <laughs> Don't you kind of just want to walk in and be like, "This is a robbery"? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just just joking. Just joking. <laughs> A joke. It's a joke. I kid. I kid. I kid. <laughs> Make Helsted shit his pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's my crime. I decided to go far less dark than I normally do and just kind of rolled with what was the most northern bank robbery ever committed. Wow. Yeah. You picked one that I'd never heard of. So <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on you. that. Thank you. You're welcome. And now I'm like, holy crap. 
mine is dark. And uh, look, no, look, there's nothing to be ashamed way, of. Way off of that. Take heart so, because mine is very dark. Yes. Okay, good. Do not be okay. ashamed. I usually love doing dark stuff. I felt like, you know, with an episode of crime that I would have a lot of fun doing just this stupid ass crime and we would all enjoy it. So I enjoyed that. It was excellent. Yes, I did too. I'm a little disappointed. There are no polar bears. No polar bears. I I actually, I was very let down that not (laughs) one polar bear attack took place. Yes. No, I I fully expected him to try to escape and just get eaten. And he decided he didn't want to die. And then he does anyway. That's what I expected to happen. No, Popov is alive. As far as I know today. No, probably running the bank. (laughs) Maybe. And there, there is no bitter polar bear related irony involved in any of that. Oh, actually we can turn the story dark right now. Okay. Because pop pop is probably on the Ukrainian infiltration. He's probably in Ukraine right now. Yikes. If he didn't die already. Oh, Oh, I see. Yeah. That's lovely. So maybe we did get a little dark. Well, you know, yeah, before we transition fast. <laughs> before we transition into Alice's story, um, I have to use the restroom. Oh, I also have to pee. Yes, please. Alice, do you have to pee? Yes. That's good. We're all gonna take yes. a pee break. Uh just 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 holler when you get back. Okay. We're about ready to get into your story, okay. Alice. Okay. Okay. Listen, mine is so much darker. I'm excited. Listen, listen, Alice. I went all in. Alice May, I understand (laughs) your story is going to be darker than mine, but but do not fret. We are normally very dark on this show. So. okay, good. Good. All right. Well, do you want me to to dive in? Dive right in. Yeah, we're ready for you. We're going to talk about Kuno Hoffman. Have you heard of him? Kuno? Yes. K-U-N-O. Kuno Hoffman. No. I've never heard of him. Yes, H-O-F-M-A-N-N. He was born in 1931 in Nuremberg, um, Bavaria, Germany. Okay. Um, He had an absolutely horrible childhood. He had an alcoholic father who was frequently imprisoned or not there at all. Mm -hmm. Um, His mother... It, there, there's very little information about his mother. Um, there are some reports that she was a little more attentive to him, but I, I doubt it considering what he became. she let her child go through. Oh, it. I mean, she was lackadaisical at best, completely negligent and uncaring at worst. I mean, she, she was not winning Mother of the Year. He he was just he was neglected. His father was abusive. Um, he once tied him to a window frame and beat him. Aww. Yeah. He also, when he was about a year old, um, just put him in a sack and put him out with the trash. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's. I would like give him to me. I'll take him. Are we Hansa talking, will are we talking kill about me, Hansa? But I will take all the children. Yes! I mean, this is honestly, I was going to (laughs) try to slip it past you, but you're you're too good. Um, So, yes, 
Um, he lost his hearing at a young age, which resulted in, in him also losing his ability to speak. Um, his mother said that it was because he was beaten, but, but a doctor maintains that he had lost hearing and subsequently the loss of his ability to speak due to a middle ear infection. And that makes me think also that his mother was probably absolute crap because she obviously did not get him. Not sure what was available in 1931, but I'm sure they had some ideas because right. ear infections with kids suck. It's pretty common also. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he was frequently imprisoned for burglary at Apparently, she must have done something about the child abuse because he was also in prison for that. Um, and he also attempted to murder a woman who he had raped. So this guy's a winner. He was going for um, father of the year, what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like to oh, me. Oh, sorry, this is, this is Germany. Fauter of the year. Fauter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he wins. Um, so they sadly divorced in 1940. Um, Kuno did have a brother and a sister and um, he I'm not sure if they were as well um, there's not very much information about them but he moved between eight different um, schools for deaf children in his childhood Aww, so finally yeah I know I mean he like this guy had no chance he, he seriously had no chance. But we'll say he took a little far, but I digress. So um, he finally was getting to an age where he could actually do something and try to get out of those situations. And for a moment, we're hopeful he got a, um apprenticeship with a shoemaker and did really well with that for a little while. But he left. And I'm quoting a fit of rage, not sure what about, but um, then he started working for kind of an agricultural estate in Nuremberg. Um, All of his employers, and I'm talking literally from this point on, had nothing but good things to say about him, Um, that he was a hard worker, that he did everything that he was asked to do. He was very compliant and got along well with his co-workers. Um, but he ended up losing that job because he demanded a higher wage. Uh. Um, yeah. Not the smartest decision, especially considering his IQ was about 70. Oh, so, that's sad. <laughs> for that's real, he had... For yes, for it Californians. Might- <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let's go there now. How about it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he would just do kind of odd jobs and supplement his income with crime. Obviously, nice. Of course, a definite win. Yes. Um, his first verified charge was for stealing a bike, which honestly kind of made me sad when I was reading that too, because I thought, man, he's just trying to get around, you know, <laughs> I, I just like, you know, it could have been worse. True. Um, so he, yeah, 
So he spent most of the 1950s um, amping up his game with burglary and adding a little bit of arson into that. Naturally. Tasteful. Yeah. So he gets arrested and the court takes pity on him, which I would not make a good judge because I probably would too. I mean, I definitely would throw the book at people who hurt children, but I think it would be more sympathetic to people who were children who were harmed. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. It's a, I mean, it's a gray area at the least. Right. So once he was arrested, they took pity on him. Um, he ended up going back and forth between medical facilities and nursing homes. Didn't know that was a thing either. Um, but he kind of bounced back and forth for about nine years. And then it's not really clear what happened um, in that process. I do know that he escaped um, from the nursing home slash uh, medical facilities about 12 times. Now, is a <laughs> while he medical, was there. medical facility slash nursing home is different than like a... It's, it sounds like, like psych- psychiatric health, like a psychiatric like ward? an asylum or some shit. Is it different? Well, n- no, he was in both of them. So he was in medical facilities as well as nursing homes. Okay. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. So um, in 1971, he had only spent about five years of his adult life free of incarceration of some sort. Wow. Yeah. So he went to live with his sister and brother in Nuremberg. He went back um, and he started to pick up some work. He seemed to be doing really well. And then um, I guess he had tried to make some connections with other deaf women because he thought that would be, I guess, an easier relationship since there wouldn't be a language barrier if they already knew how to read sign language and everything so that makes sense he yeah but he did not do well um struck out he was apparently all big time um he was apparently very unattractive (laughs) um the term bulbous in relation to his nose was used <laughs> Poor guy. numerous times he was slightly short and slight in stature so the nose undoubtedly stuck out and um he was unable to form lasting relationships i will say though based on what happens later i'm i would wager to guess that he was inappropriate in some way um he became addicted to pornography and was a frequent visitor of brothels oh um he yes he maintained that he went to those brothels because of his deep need for love and companionship with what with his Um, bulbous nose yes yes I mean Maybe that's where his heart lives, and it's just huge, mm-hmm. you know. So um, the women, heart. <laughs> exactly. I mean, gotta make you love them somehow, right? <laughs> um, the women, unfortunately, did not um, feel the same about him. Um, and 
I'm telling you over and over again, it says that he really wanted tender and lasting love. He was very lonely. I know it's kind of sad, but then then this part comes around. Uh So hold your hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, his loving sister, which as a sister of three brothers, I can tell you that this is not something that would come out of my mouth to my brother. But his sister told him that he should get a blow-up doll. Um, He decided that he wanted to go another way. Oh. Um, Mm. Yeah. So in April um, of 1971, a staff member for a cemetery Uh. in Hamburg, Germany, came in and he found the body of a girl. Um, she had been removed from her coffin. Oh, no. And posed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and this is why I was saying, like, crap, I got to go after him. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to bring this stuff in. Really? Great. So she was taken out of the coffin and posed, leaning against it, naked. Uh-huh. Um, it was clear that her lips and neck were bruised with obvious bite marks. Um, Beside her were two blackened out candles so he had used them suckers to the stubs. Um, And not only that, but he had taken other people out of coffins that were in the same room, Uh white being to be buried. Yes. And he took them out of their coffins and positioned them around the girl looking at her. Ah. He wanted an audience. He wanted an audience is what that sounds like. He yes. won, he 100% did. Um, so, uh, lots of people in the area um, were starting to talk about the random things that they were starting to see um, just about jewelry going missing and um, deceased bodies being bruises on their loved ones faces and stuff like that (laughs) yeah so and most people were stored in a cremation room um, before they were buried Um, so Loved ones were coming in and saying, you know, this is coming up missing. So three days after the um, staff member found the girl out um, of the coffin and everyone gazing at her nakedness. Yes, yes. Yeah. Three days later, about um, 64 kilometers, and I did not do that um in miles, I apologize. Um, but it's about 64 kilometers east. An undertaker found a similar scene. Um, this time it was a 40-year-old woman. Um, she was sitting up out of the coffin, surrounded by burnout candles again. Yep. Um, an island, um, the island of Silt, S-Y-L-T, Um, in the North Sea. Um, A preacher found a 52-year-old man 
Um, he was in a coffin getting ready to be buried. The preacher had left and made sure that the coffin lid was closed. Odd little tidbit that he had to check that beforehand. I'm wondering how often they just come open and he's got to make sure that they're closed before he- it's just strange. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the coffin was open and the man had a hunting knife in his chest. Oh, nice. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a, in May, um, just a little bit later, um, a woman was walking through the cemetery um, and she was going to go see her mother's burial plot. And she saw someone sitting um, on a grave site beside her mother's. Um, When she got closer to it, she noticed that it was the body of a man who was actually buried beside her mother. Um, He had been dug up. He had also been decapitated, and his head was nowhere in sight. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So he took his head. Um... Then further down the line, I guess he took a little hiatus. November 6th. Oh, he had um, a, he had, he a, man, a vacation? He, apparently. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work. Digging up bodies. I don't know. That's like, you know, six feet. Come on. I'm sure it's exhausting. So, yeah. So, in November 6th, a man was visiting, visiting a cemetery. Um, he found a dug-up grave. Um, with the coffin prized open with a young girl sitting upright upright on the mound of dirt beside the coffin. Mm -hmm. So the dirt that was removed to get her coffin out, she was just propped up sitting on it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the jewelry was going missing and there was a guard who was like on top of that shit, okay? I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right. Go it's ahead. Like Jacob, Jacob took his chances with his pronunciation. Gaylor, I don't know. Gaylor something. No, no, no. Gay. Try, try it again, but be far more confident. Regardless of error. Gaybor. Gaybor. Did that Gaybor. He was on it. <laughs> um, he was the night watchman. And. When he started seeing things popping up missing, he it happened a lot because sometimes people would expect things to be on their loved ones and it wasn't. Um, it was later found at home or sometimes if they had a really valuable item, then the watchmen or the caretakers would take it and lock it up so that it was safe until it was time for them to either um, take it like the family members take it or when it was time for that person to be buried if they were going to be buried with it. And they would put it in a small chest but this time it just kept happening and he kept seeing things that were out of place along with it. Like one day he found um their money box in the wrong spot on the table and it was forced open um just evidence of a break-in the family members would come and say you know we've looked everywhere for this piece of jewelry or whatever and we can't find it um that just kept happening so um he decided that he was going to kind of investigate it quietly 
because um, he he didn't want to cause problems for the company. Um, and he also didn't want to start pointing fingers at um, his coworkers without any kind of evidence either, which right. is pretty smart. And he is a really big guy. He is a war veteran, so he figured he could handle himself if necessary. So he just starts quietly looking through it. Well, on May 5th, 1972, a big storm was rolling into the area. Um, he was staying home that day. He lived next to the mortuary. So he was just kind of hanging out, watching some TV, and his phone rings. And it was one of his neighbors. So he's hanging out, watching TV, and his neighbor calls. Um, she lives near the cemetery, so he is closer to the mortuary part, and she is on the other side of this um, complex. Okay. And so she calls him because she sees this dark figure moving in between the headstones. Ew. So, yeah, like, what is nightmares made up? This guy. So, um, he goes over to see what's going on. He's like fairly certain that he is about to catch the thief. So he starts searching the cemetery. He doesn't see anybody. He goes in to the mortuary. He doesn't see anybody. So finally he decides that he's going to go into the crematorium because that is where most of his death is happening. Okay. So uh, he's a very brave man. He turns all the lights off and hides. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he hears the door creak open, and he's peeking out. And this short, dark-haired man comes in, and he starts walking towards the coffin. I'm sure he is thinking, like, who is this guy? Surely this isn't him. Because he, I, I could have sent you pictures, because he looks very non-threatening. Like, he's definitely not one that you would think, I need to take away from this guy. So the man makes his way over to a coffin containing a 15-year-old girl who had been brought in the day before. Uh. Yeah. So he stands there for a little bit and looks at her and then he sees Kuno lean over and kiss her on the lips. So he Gravor Gravor went immediately into action action and went for Kuno. So Kuno takes off down the hall, but Gregor is way faster, called up and pulled him by his collar into an elevator because it was lit up and he would be able to see his face more. So he is staring at this little guy with glasses and this huge nose and (laughs) they start they start having this confrontation and all of a sudden he hears this huge bang and he looks down and there's blood coming out on oh, his shirt. He shot and him? Big Nose shot yeah, him? Yeah. yeah. Shit. So this little bitty wimpy punk who likes to get some action from dead girls shoots him with like this huge gun. So he sees the blood. He realized what's happening. At that moment, um, Kuno seizes the opportunity and runs and he's like grinning at Gavor while he's running away. Ugh. 
What a like a yeah. like a comic book villain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it takes off. Well, obviously, Gregor is in no condition to chase after him, having been shot. So he like army crawls his way over to his desk and calls the police. Um, and then somehow, like this guy had to be like some kind of freaking Superman war hero because. He then makes his way to the bathroom to tend his wounds. Okay. Yeah, he's got damage to his large and small intestines and his liver. Yes. I mean, Ugh. yeah, but he survived. So he is able to give this description of this person that he saw because he had a really good view of them. They were in close contact in light. Right. So about 50 detectives were called, um, and their first thought is to start talking to people who had been arrested on similar crimes, um, like grave robbing, thieves, that kind of thing. Um, they all are given alibis, every single one of them. Damn. So they're kind of back to square one. Hmm. Um, so obviously, Kuno takes off. Um, he drives a little moped, red. He drives <laughs> I'm a sure what? he's very proud of a moped. <laughs> a moped? Yeah, yeah. He, I'm sure he finds it daily. He gets that armor all out and makes sure everything's <laughs> Anyway, so um, he takes off, I'm sure, at breakneck speed. <laughs> and he's like roaming the countryside, trying to stay out of sight. Okay. Um, but he goes to this area that is known for hunters. Because he wants to target practice. <gasps> so he he goes to this area because he knows that gunfire is pretty regular thing there. So That's smart, no at least. Will, yeah. I'm, I'm, he's diabolical, okay? So he goes out there and he's doing some target practice with the road signs, I guess. Um if you're not from the South, then you probably won't understand that either. <laughs> People like to shoot road signs around here. What can I say? All we've so, done, we've seen road signs with bullet holes in them, but we've had no context. Well, there you go. Now you have it. So, <laughs> so he's out there. He's trying to keep a low profile. But as he's driving around, he sees this little gray Mercedes sitting there okay so the reports say that it is a girl who is about um 18 and the man is like in his early 20s and the reports say that the girl is laying down in the back seat and the man yeah the man is in the front seat which i find very unbelievable I feel like there was some cover-up to, like, protect virtue with that. Yeah. And they were both asleep. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, go on. (laughs) Right. So, um, he opens the driver's side door, which, in turn, wakes up the man. Suppose I'm air-quoting, like, mad over here. Yes. Um, So, when the man wakes up, he immediately shoots him in the chest. Jesus. And then, yeah, upon hearing this, the girl supposedly wakes up 
and he shoots her in the chest also. My God. Yes. So <laughs> this is gets, yeah. So to make sure that wait, they're wait, dead. Wait. Just, just to be clear, you said this is where it gets. And then you said, yeah. It, the yeah, story wasn't bad just, yet? Oh, no. It gets oh, bad. no. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, you're going to fit right in on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, listen, Kanto is, he thinks that I am deranged (laughs) and he doesn't understand how literally everything I consume for entertainment has to do with death and gore. And as he lovingly puts it, people being raped in half, like literally that's what comes out of his mouth. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, I have, I, I don't know, maybe I want to be prepared so I know the possibilities and I'll have an action plan. I don't know, but it's, it's what I enjoy. So, anyway, so he, um, he is, he shoots them both in the chest and then to make sure they're dead, he does like the kill shot in the head. Of course. All right, double tap. Right. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> so then when he sees them bleeding, he can't resist. Uh-oh. He's got to enter those holes. Oh, he does. <laughs> with his tongue. Ew! What? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? With what? <laughs> with his tongue? <laughs> oh, yeah. I said with his tongue. Uh. He, he sucks all of the blood out of the wound. <laughs> and like laughs it up, whatever's coming out until it's clean on um, the man first. And then he moves to the back seat. He rips the girl's sweater off, pushes up her bra and does the same to her wound Ugh. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, he he said that he felt more alive and invigorated after that because she tasted so much better than the people who had been dead. Right. I mean, that, that at least, at least that is logical. I mean, the freshness. <laughs> Why wouldn't you, you know? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so... He is just overcome with feelings of satisfaction and euphoria. He said that he felt stronger than he did before. So he's going through the car and he's starting to take valuable. And um, he sees somebody coming towards him. So he notices that it's a hunter and immediately runs to his moped and speeds away. Lightning fast. (laughs) Um, The hunter comes and he finds the bodies. Um, Obviously, this is before cell phones. And so he shoots up in the air to try to get the attention of another hunter and just sits there for a little while and nobody comes. So he's forced to walk like over a mile to a convenience store to make a phone call to the police department. I'm sorry. His logic told him that in a hunting zone, he would shoot one shot into the air and that would summon the other hunters. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know I missed the logic in that as well, but apparently, and I'm not familiar with their um, etiquette. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a place 
um, I cannot remember where it is, where they like kind of yodel things to each other. <laughs> and it's like a form of speech. Okay. And the other one will yodel back in response. Maybe it's something like that. It sounds I'm like he didn't sure. even try yodeling. No, I don't think so. It was just the <laughs> single, just, just... the single thought. And apparently it's supposed to sound different and summon yeah. other Anyway. It's, he's, he's just, bula, bula, bula. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think if he would have done that, that probably wouldn't have, would have gotten a better response. <laughs> I don't know. Then they would have been like, what's, what's happening over there? I think we should go check that out. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> There's some bodies <laughs> yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not sure if that's how German sound. I'm yeah, actually from, German from Munich. Irish. You know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what they sound like. That's but, exactly okay. what they sound like. And Murder went down. <laughs> Good. Yes. <laughs> so he goes, he finds the police, he calls the police, they come, they find it incredibly strange that all the blood is sucked out. Um, so some smart police work, um, they decide that they're going to compare the bullet from this couple to the bullets that were removed from Gregor our right. um, security officer. So they do, and they match. So they know now that they're dealing with the same person. So they make a task force. They set a high reward um, with a description and um, information with be on the lookout in the newspaper. Um, they also name him um, the Nuremberg Vampire. Ew. Oh, that's so, fucking cool. Yeah, of course it is. I don't know. So, he's, a, he's a chest lapper. So, <laughs> so um, there is a man who is <laughs> in, in the office of this building. Okay. And I'm not entirely clear on what they did there. It was um, some sort of factory. Um, but he's sitting in his office and one of his employees comes in. And he says that he's quitting. Um, he wants to move to a different area, try to do something different. He's tired of what he was doing. So he's going to quit. Okay. So he leaves. And as soon as he leaves, like almost instantaneously, this guy starts reading his paper again and reads the description of the man that they are looking for. And the description matches matches perfectly with the employee who just came in and quit and left. Uh -oh. So, wow. yeah. So, he immediately calls the police and says, you know, I think um, this is the, I think this is the guy. So, the police start getting everything together to go and get him. So, when Kuno, the crazy, leaves his job, he makes a beeline home because now he knows he's he's got to get rid of this weapon or they're going to trace everything back to him. Right. So he goes home. This is kind of ingenious, okay? I, for a guy with a 70 IQ, I'm pretty impressed. Okay. Um, he hides this gun in the washing machine. Like, he takes it he takes the washing machine apart and puts the gun in it and then puts it back together. Oh, oh that is pretty fucking smart. You're right? Mm hmm. 
So he goes and he puts his gun in the washer, and later we find he did very poorly. Ah. Um, and apparently tries to take off. He he does not do very well. It wasn't long at all until he is found. Um, mm. They kind of did a dragnet and found him almost immediately. They have to get someone to interpret sign language. Um, <laughs> I forgot he was yeah. fucking deaf. <laughs> and mute. Mute, <laughs> too. <laughs> yes, he was deaf and mute. Which, again, kind of makes me sad. I'm not going to lie. It's like, man, this guy. So, like, 50 minutes into the interrogation, Kuno is lying and lying. I don't know what you're talking about. This, It's not me. You've got the wrong guy. So, while they're in the process of this interrogation, they have officers at his house, and they're searching. <laughs> so, in the process of this search, they find... The missing human head that oh, was no. No. earlier. Oh, yes. Yes. They, he kept it. He kept the head. Wait, so he hit um, the gun extremely well, but, but he not did not the hide head. the head. Right? Right. <laughs> so you're going to hide the freaking gun, but, but that head is just too precious. Jake, to hey, be you guys, away you are forgetting that his IQ was 70. Right? But th- then again, like some of his decisions. I'm going to keep going, okay? Because he, he, okay, so they found the human head. Then they find keys to the mortuary and crematorium. And he had stolen keys and made copies of them and then returned the keys so that no one would know that they were missing. That's pretty smart. That, that's pretty smart. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, after some time, I guess the police officer was looking around and thinking, like, that washer looks suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he figured out that he should look into it, but he took the washer apart and found it. I see. So, yeah. We, so, should, we should be inspecting that officer. Why Why did he know to look at the washer? I know. But, like, like with a 70 IQ that decided to hide the weapon but not the severed head. You know, maybe he left yeah. his, like, screwdriver on top of the washer. Uh-oh. I'm telling you, it's the case that keeps on giving. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it just keeps on giving. So, they, it's like 50 minutes into the interrogation, and they get the notification that the gun, the head, the keys, and everything has been found. So, as soon as Tuno hears that all of this is found, he just gets this look on his face, like, bucket and has like a 20 minute confession which to me sounds like it had to have been like a mouthful and he just blasted them with everything in a second because I wonder how they recorded it must have been a a handful (laughs) right so uh, he tells them that or I guess signals to them I don't know what is that inappropriate you can feel free to crop that (laughs) he he makes hand gestures to them letting them know that he reads extensively which surprised me um and he got a book on black magic in 1966 oh yes and the text got him thinking that this black magic might help him to do some self-improvement 
Um, he what? used the information from yes, yeah, yes, yes. The Black Magic book is going to help him um, improve his, his self-image. His self-esteem was going to be boosted by this. Um, and the way it was going to do that um, is through vampirism and necrophilia. Eww. I mean, did, yes. it, did it work? Did his nose shrink? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, <damn> it. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is false. So um, he confesses that between 71 and 72, he um, went into both graves and crematoriums. He violated bodies. He stabbed them with his both a knife and razor blade. And his he penis. Drank- <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, he drank their blood, which I'm a little bit unsure about because I thought during the bombing process there were toxic the, materials involved right and most of your blood I'm, I thought was removed I mean I know that I don't think they drained all of it but I thought the majority of your blood was removed for the embalming I mean I, maybe trace I, amounts are left behind but I thought for the most part like you're put on a table and they've got like tubes and like a like a table that your body is sitting on that's like at an angle so that everything drains down yes. and all that thing all that stuff and gravity takes its course right. and all of your blood evacu- evacuates your body yeah so i'm not sure maybe that's part of his problem because he was just drinking formaldehyde and now <laughs> that he's had like a fresh victim he's actually getting blood he's like whoa like, this tastes so much better oh my god nectar from the god Upgrade. <laughs> right blood doesn't taste so, like bleach this is so right? weird is this what blood supposed to taste like holy shit <laughs> why don't we bottle this <laughs> so <laughs> So he drinks the blood. He also like take a little nibble. He chews on him a bit. <laughs> um, he tells them that he cuts off heads. He removes heart sometimes. He also likes to go in and examine their organs. Um, oh my God. He, he has manipulated many, many bodies and posing them in um, often sexually explicit poses. Um, he likes to sexually interfere with the... I don't know. I, I can't... You can't really say... Can you say rape or sexual assault? Of course you dead. can, yes. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, that's what he was doing. He was raping corpses. Um, yes, he was. Of women that he found attractive. Um, so, by May of 72 he desecrated the bodies of 32 or 35 individuals whoa holy cow he used obituaries to choose his victims they would because post he had picture in the paper well i think that mostly what he was after was younger women um and at one point his brother actually questioned him about it because he he wanted to know why he was reading so many obituaries and going to the morgue. <laughs> Suspicious and behavior for a normal person. If he was right, he asked if he was like elbow, elbow, wink, wink, going to enjoy the dead women. Ugh. Um, yeah, yuck. So obviously, he did not respond to his brother, but um, felt that he needed to add some caution. 
Um, he honestly thought by doing these rituals and consuming the blood that he would become more handsome, strong. Um, he believed that he would get back his hearing and his ability to speak and would gain power over women. And I honestly, from a psychology point of view, I think that was most of what he wanted was to have power over the women, especially since he'd been just... <laughs> tossed aside by so many right right well um, i'm not gonna lie like maybe there's something to that because you said he rode that moped at like the speed of light and <laughs> i felt something i know i know i was a little stimulated <laughs> not gonna lie. so uh, i also think though most of his violence was towards men and i think that's kind of a call out to his dad he's oh, got right. some daddy issues psychologically yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so he he did these things because until he gained that power and his ability to hear and speak and became more handsome, he decided that he was going to impose his will over over others. Um, he became obsessed with guns, and he in turn and purchased the pistol. Um, he obviously stole from a lot of the bodies. He had quite a collection which is another thing that the police eventually found. Um, and he just said that when he walked in and he had intended to just see what he could steal, when he walked into the crematorium and saw the girl laying there though, he couldn't resist drinking her blood. Oh, while God. he was there that night. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't get to that point, but he felt like he needed to. But then he said, you know, again, that now that he knows what a pretty young girl's freshly killed blood tastes like, it's so much better, and he would never be able to go back. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what an honest confession. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry. That must have been very appreciated by his defense attorneys. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so then we're going to just dive even further into the deep end. Um, he finally has his day in court um, and they start to hear his testimony and... Oh, he went um, on the stand? Oh, yeah. Then they start getting testimony from co-workers saying, like, he's such a great guy, blah, 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 and he realizes that he is going to have to amp up the crazy if he doesn't want to, to fit go his, to prison for fit a life. His narrative, essentially. Right. So he starts just smashing furniture in his room to sell and he starts writing, writing crazy letters to the police officers and even to the Pope. <laughs> um, he starts asking them to the for Pope. His, yes, to the Pope, um, saying that he wants to join like the highest rank of the Catholic religion. Um, I see. So he's he, he's really putting on a show. Absolutely. So he he's also asking them um, to have his weapon returned to him because he believes that if he does have it, then he can bring those dead people back to life. Ah, milking it. It was a good cause then. <laughs> ah, yes, absolutely. He's a saint. So he he is, I mean, truly 
absolutely misunderstood. <laughs> we, need to, we need to dig into this a little bit more here. Um, so in August of 1947, he um, starts more in on the crazy part um, in court. Um, he says that the, just these feelings of being alone made him do it. Um, two psychiatrists evaluate him over the pierce of excuse me over the course of two years um one says he's crazy the other one says nope not crazy um the court is actually suspended for two years for them to debate on whether he's crazy or not why so, not just get and, a third opinion tiebreaker <laughs> i don't know it's just insane doctors so, just can't agree jessica Four four to five doctors say that one toothpaste (laughs) is good. Oh, I see. Nine out of ten doctors say that the other toothpaste is good. Like, Uh I mean, you know. You nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you. So, you're welcome. So, in July of 1976, he's back in court. um, And I guess he's kind of thinking that the insanity is not going to work. So, he starts saying that it was self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> From the corpses? <laughs> I mean, I, most of what he's being tried for is the murder, which there is an, there's actually another murder that has kind of loosely been verified that was him. <laughs> um, just this older woman that was shot and killed and then to be posed, but there's a possibility that she wasn't. So it could be. So most of what he's being convicted of is the death of the the couple, the man. Yes, in the car. Okay. So he he is basically saying that like the man attacked him. I don't know. He so, rode by on his moped, and he was his masculinity was obviously challenged. Absolutely. I mean, by this guy in a Mercedes, why not? You know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got a big yeah. nose, but a small penis. Come fight me. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, um, unfortunately, um, the outcome of this trial varies. Um, there's not a very consistent or reputable source. It was a long for- time ago, I guess. Was it? So he. I mean, it wasn't this that long ago. Took place in like was, the 50s? No, this was. 70s. 70s. I mean, the last. The last. The last time his case was heard in court, when they should have come back with a verdict of whether he was deemed competent, was in 1976. So really, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that long ago. I mean, definitely there were court of records, you know? 50 years ago. Yeah, there definitely should have been records. Yeah. So it's just really not clear. Um, Some sources say... Um, that he was deemed criminally insane and put in a facility for life. However, more reliable sources, and I say that loosely because they're not like... There really aren't that many. uh, Well, it's not like... Like if I were writing a paper for school, I definitely would not use these sources. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're probably... They're definitely more reliable than the ones that say he was deemed criminally insane. But those sources say that he was re- ruled sane and sentenced to two life sentences for the couple. 
and then another 10 for attempted murder on the guard. Huh. Um, there are also sources that say that he was taunting the guards and asking for one final split, one final sip of virgin <laughs> blood before he went. Um, he may have been released in 2004. Also a big question mark. Yikes. There are, yeah, there are sources that say that he was released in 2004. Um, he also may have returned to Nuremberg. Um, there are also sources that honestly aren't, it, they're not super reputable, but they're not bad either. Say that he was, he was released in 2004 and he was actually writing a book, a memoir in 2008, but there are absolutely no records about where he is today. None. Yuck. If he is alive, if he is dead, in prison, and in an insane cell, no, there's no information. Well, he had, he had mean, a few I'm, decades to, to practice on his black magic. Maybe the black magic I is mean, the reason. I mean, he must have mastered that mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I looked everywhere, and every single source that I found said that it's really unclear what the outcome case where he is where he ended up like he obviously did not maintain any kind of relationship with his family he didn't really have anyone else that was important in his life so there's nothing who knows crazy we need to ask alex jones (laughs) what i bet he knows I bet Alex Jones knows exactly where this vampiric he lizard has, man he is. He has predicted some strange things. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go road trip. Let's see, because I kind of want to interview this guy. Like, what what was your thought process in getting to this point? And how did you feel when you realized that it wasn't working? So we'll hit up Nuremberg, and then we'll head up to Svalbard. Svalbard, yeah. I mean... I'm German Irish. I probably have family up around there somewhere, so we can just <laughs> crash on some couches, we'll road and- trip it. We'll, you know, take a trip to Nuremberg, go to Ireland. I'm sure there's plenty of crime there, and then we'll yes. go up to Svalbard. I'm I'm here for it. Let's go tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> honey, you got to keep the kids I'm out. All right. Well, there was my. I just picked the worst that I could think of. Thank so. you. That was excellent. That was fantastic. Great. And well, so thanks. thorough. Oh, man. I could have kept going, but I, honestly, I refrained from going into everything that I found, but that was the, the high point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now's about the time where we move into our break. We yes. take a break. We can grab some snacks. You can use the restroom again if you would like. And uh, we, you know, planned ahead of time to just ask you a bunch of embarrassing questions about your husband. Yeah. (laughs) I will gladly answer every one of them. I'm very excited about that. (laughs) Yes, I am too, honestly. Let's get the truth out there. (laughs) All right. Ruin what reputation he has. So it is is very little. It is the potty break time. We'll be right back with the okay. the break where we'll get questions about Hanzo. Mm-hmm. All right, so Hanzo. Oh, God. <laughs> I've been forbidden. 
You do know that. I told him, like, moments ago. I said, I promise I will not bring up the fact that every Wednesday at 9.15, I have to perform a... Colonoscopy? Uh, no. Prostate exam? Claw, no, it's a cold claw enema. I don't know if you've heard of it. A what? A cold claw enema. Cold claw? I have to... Yeah. I have to... I have to insert... I don't even... <laughs> you have to insert what? May- mayonnaise into <laughs> finish, his anus? Finish what you were saying. Cold claw rectally right up in his ass. That sounds... You know what? I'm, I'm surprisingly unshocked by that. Something funny about inserting cabbage mayonnaise <laughs> whipped up rectally that is just humorous to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Based off of my knowledge of Hanso, if anything's going into his rectum, it's Duke's mayo. Oh, it has to be. Absolutely. was our mom maybe our aunt that tried to sneak a single shaving of coconut into something that my our sister ate she hates them it's yeah. not and not the flavor she she loves coconut as a flavor but when it comes to the shavings she will literally gag on them and so they thought she was absolutely full of shit so they snuck one i swear a single shaving into like it was I like a cupcake or some shit. Something. Like they mixed it in the icing or they baked it into a single muffin or cupcake and they knew that was the one they saved for her to see if she could detect it, to see if she, if it was actually real. And I swear to God, <laughs> she gagged on that single shaving of coconut. <laughs> he hates cats. I don't know if you're aware of that. Cats? Oh, I know. Well, I'm aware of his cats. hatred His hatred of pandas. Pandas? Yeah. Yeah, he said He said they remind him of his wife. <laughs> but he, like, legitimately hates cats. I gotta admit, I'm not a fan. Jacob owns a couple. I have some cats. Well, okay, so I, I, after moving here, I was very excited about moving to this area because we are like so close to the river. We have an amazing view of this dam that's in our town, and what? I was very excited about it. But after coming, I grew up against national forests, like you could not even see another house. We were surrounded by the woods. Mm-hmm. So, I i mean, I always loved the way I grew up because I had tree houses all over the mountain. I had a creek that I played in every single day of the summer. I mean, it was great, but I always wanted to know what it would be like to live in a town. And, you know, like have friends that I could walk to their house. Mm-hmm. But now living here, it's like my nightmare, honestly. <laughs> You're too awesome. close. I, I, I'm sitting distance from neighbors on either side so he growing up here unfortunately 
people all up and down the road that's behind our house and just up the road from us, they put food out for cats. And they've also made little shelters for them, too. Wow. So, yeah, people will bring their cats here, like kittens, that they don't want and leave them. Because they know that they're going to be taken care of. I mean, there's food everywhere. and. Mm-hmm. places for them to get shelter so you don't want a litter of kittens that your cat just had people bring them here and after living here for a little while i completely understand why he hates cats because it's kind of miserable they're just everywhere so many yeah so on a typical day right when you step down the stairs of your trailer and <laughs> you look outside right Fuck off man you know what <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I want to meet you so bad. <laughs> okay, and when you when you walk past your your overgrown grass and your lawn chairs, um Listen, how, how many cats <laughs> of my breathtaking view of the dam behind my house? But it's like a waterfall of beauty and majesty. And then you're going to be like, damn. Damn. I'm going to touch my freaking California head. <laughs> and I'm going to appreciate the beauty that is Southwest Virginia. Look, I'm just wondering if any cats sleep under one of your three charcoal grills. <laughs> we have two. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, look, you've got to have one for the vegetables and one for the meat. Maybe you eat some cats. (laughs) I mean, I hear they grill up nicely. (laughs) A little Duke mayonnaise on the side. That's right. finger looking good right there no shit sit on your lawn chairs your kids your kids playing their little above ground pool (laughs) (laughs) gonna kick your ass (laughs) it sounds like what you're saying is that he once tried to eat cat shit like it was candy. I'm not going to say that that is true, and I'm not going to say that that is false. <laughs> the person you're speaking to, Jacob, is the kind yeah. who calls, he said, according to Jacob, there is camping. And then there is dirt camping. Yeah. Camping is when you drive an RV out into the wilderness and you sleep and eat in the RV and only go out into the wilderness when you want to hike or get really drunk. I'm sorry. No. When you want to get really drunk and fall asleep in a chair with a fishing pole attached. Yeah. (laughs) That's That's, that's camping. That's camping. Dirt camping is when you have (laughs) no 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 that's camping and i i know you you take slight offense when we say dirt camping because like i'm assuming that's just your life but 
It's I, I just I just can't. I just can't do it. Let's uh let's spin the wheel. Yeah. The second time. All right. So here we go. Here we go. You spin it this time, Jake. No, hold on. You pause. Oh, okay. Fine. All right. Well, that's the end of the break. We're done. No more break. No, none of that. Potties have been taken. Snacks have been had. <laughs> Bladders are empty. Yeah. Bowels right. also moved. Oh, you moved some bowels? I mean, I probably would have if I had something to move, you know? Oh, all right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin the wheel. You think about that. Okay. Can't read that. Say? No shit, you can't read that. It's in my hand. All right. You must charge into battle on the back of a pro athlete. <laughs> Whose back do you mount? Oh. Okay. I don't really know the names of that many athletes. Well, Jessica. Well, you spun it, so you go first. All right. So I know most people would probably think like someone like big and like brawn, you know? Yeah. Just like ready to really do some damage. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with someone who can probably deal some damage themselves. And that's going to be Tiger Woods. You think Tiger Woods could deal damage? Yes. Now, not normally, not normally. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cocaine him up. Oh, that's right. Okay. He's gonna, we're gonna, he's gonna do some cocaine, and I will mount him, and we will ride into battle. You're gonna feed him pet pills. Yes. And then ride him into combat. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna have one of those whips. I'm just gonna whap. Smack his ass with my whip. <laughs> a, ri- a riding crop. Yeah, and he. We're just gonna haul ass. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my my answer is uh, is for a similar reason. Someone who I think could actually, you know, wherever it is, I wanted my steed to get me. Yeah. I do think he could get me there. Okay. Um, and I choose Connor McGregor. Oh, he's that's what a small steed. Sure. But he's yeah. But come on, he's steadfast. You know what I mean. He's determined. You know, he's self motivating. Uh So I know I could hop onto his back, and he would like you know do his Irish drunken shrieking through the battlefield to wherever it is I needed to go, and then once I dismounted, he would assist me in combat until I needed to remount and then you know travel to a different place. Okay, with Guinness and his. Exactly. Yeah. Guinness. He's he's got a speaker just playing bagpipes. (laughs) He's got proper twelve advertisements all all, all over. Yep. Yes. Excellent. Uh, Alice, how about you? What pro athlete are you are you riding to battle in on? Um, that's easy. Tim Tebow. Tim because Tebow. he's got God on his side. Yeah. <laughs> he's got God on his side. Right. And I mean, how are you going to fight that? Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's my athlete. Riding that sucker in. You seem very confident about that. What may, just Is it just that God is on his side that makes you confident? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm all in. And he's just, you know, that was the first one that popped in my head. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I have no idea why, but it just, it, there it was. And I thought, well, it's God right there. So go, I'll make it. Okay. I mean, those are solid answers. Yeah. And for solid reasons. I agree. (laughs) It sounds like it's time to move into my story. It, it in fact is. Or as the Germans, as the Germans would say, my story. My story. (laughs) 
since we've decided that we're going to be using that accent every single story, why not? Let's oh, go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's time for your story. I think it would be da. Da? Da? No, da's Russian. Is it? Yes. Is it? Ya is German. Ya. Positive. I'm I'm 100% positive on that. Are you positive? Um, yes. I'm yeah. going to pull the German card and say no. But. She actually is German, so. <laughs> okay, motherfucker. <laughs> Listen here, Alice May. Do a quick Google search, and you'll find out that da is yes in Russian. Well, while you're searching that, I'm going to start my story. And at the end of it, we can, we can discuss what's correct. Da or ya. Ya or da. We'll discuss it. Yes, da. <laughs> but before we do oh my god wait, I think that's the episode title ya ya or da <laughs> <laughs> that will be the title very I'm gonna good write, I'm gonna write that down alright so when I was doing my research it occurred to me to look up something that wasn't murder you know just to mix it up because I assumed everyone else would be doing that I had yeah. similar thoughts as you Jacob right but then I thought no <laughs> I will look up murder. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I will do this. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh, because Alice May was very clear about what sections of the globe we should avoid because she knows so much, you know, yes. she is an encyclopedia of criminal and knowledge. <laughs> I decided to go as far east as I could go, technically. Okay. And that is Japan. <gasps> Japan? Yes. And so... I will be presenting to you the case of the Setagaya family murder. A family murder? It is a murder of a family. Technically wow. murders. It's multiple. Wow. And uh, Alice May, have you in fact heard of this? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you? Oh, what? Wow. Don't talk about America. Don't talk about crime in Australia. Don't talk about I crime in the well, UK. <laughs> I didn't. I just. I forgot about that one. Honestly. Whatever. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm also the person that when you started talking about the woman with the childlike clothes, and all, I, I like immediately knew what you were talking about. And yep. like, that is an episode. That is an episode Hanzo. that Hanzo, Hanzo had her listen to, and it was about. Um, Dyson Hassenkoft. Was that the the Bessie one? Yes. No, her name is not Bessie. It's Dyson Hassenkoft and uh, Girly Chew. Girly Chew. Yes, it is, it is yeah. the murder of Girly Chew. She knew all about yeah, it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Which is not, I mean, I don't think I should be proud of that, honestly. <laughs> but I go mean, ahead. It's just a, I a was proud to have story. found it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a really weird one. It's wild. We're gonna need you to act like you know nothing. So we're gonna need a okay. lot of a lot of oohs and ahs and maybe some gasps yes, here and there. Yes. Re reenact uh, reenact your shock. Uh, like I did the first time. Yes. Yes. I will please play that back. So, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> the Setagaya family murder. It is one of the most infamous criminal cases in Japan's history, which I thought was safe considering it's Japan, but I guess it was not. You just said the most infamous in Japan. In Japan! <laughs> she literally named half the globe and said, don't look up criminal crime in these places. I thought it was fine. I'm sorry. I forgive you anyway. This is the unsolved murder of a family of four in Tokyo's neighborhood of Setagaya 
in December of 2000. Okay. <clears throat> now, the Miyazaki family moved to, forgive me if I mispronounce. Just be confident in it. Kamiso Shigaya Street in 1991. See, when you're confident, no one questions. No. Well, that's where they moved in 1991, and it was a bustling suburban neighborhood. It had over 200 residential buildings throughout. The father, who was an office worker, was Miyazawa Mikio. He was 44. Okay. Next was his wife, Yasuko, who was 41. She was a home tutor. She tutored their children as well as other children in the neighborhood. If they're only 40, their kids are what? Their kids are young. Very young. Oh, no. So their daughter, her name was Nina, and she was eight. Their son was Ray, and he was six. Yikes. The four of them... Exactly the age of my children, thanks. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> the four of them actually lived in a fairly cramped two-story home, which was adjacent to a park called the Shapopo Kuen, or the Choo Choo Train Park. Oh. Yes, the Fun. neighborhood Aww. began to dwindle, unfortunately. Um, not long after they moved in, as more and more families sold their properties to the city of Tokyo, who tore them all down pretty quickly. Mm. And by the time the year 2000 rolled around, the city already had plans to draw up, or already had plans drawn up to use the land to expand the Soshigaya Park, which today is a very scenic tourist attraction. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I see. So, by the time 2000 arrived, there were only four houses left, obviously. One of them was the Miyazawas, and another belonged to Yasuko's older sister, An. Okay. An's house stood very close to their house, so close that, like, aerial photos kind of make it look like it's a duplex, like it could be attached. However, it is not. Right. Um, apparently the close proximity made Mikio nervous that it could possibly lead to family drama. So he proposed soundproofing both places. Okay. And On agreed to this. Sure. So they did that. You wouldn't think just to soundproof like one wall? I guess not. Huh. They, they did this in both places. So On's husband was an engineer at a big automobile company, and he was often overseas. On and her son spent eight years living in England, and they only got back to Setagaya and to this house in the spring of 2000. So... While she and her family were gone, An and Yasuko's mother Haruko occupied her house, and Yasuko also used it to tutor the children. Okay. So that's where she conducted her business. I'm not sure exactly when the decision was made for the soundproofing, or if anyone was even in An's house at the time of the murder, but the houses were so close together if there hadn't been soundproofing. Obviously, there's a chance that An or their mother could have heard what was going on and called the cops much earlier. Than right. they were called. Um, and I think it would prove very bitterly ironic if they had chosen to soundproof that spring when On and her son returned to the house because that would have been within the same year that the murder occurred. Mm. Either way, uh, eventually both families agreed to sell the property to the city and they, they did go through with that, but they hadn't actually moved out yet. Yasuko apparently was hesitant. She was worried about her kids acclimating to a new place, especially Ray who was six years old, and um, had a development disorder. Okay. Yeah. Before they could get a chance to move, however, their home is allegedly broken into. Mm. And now we move in to the actual crime. December 30th. It's believed that the murderer entered Miyazawa's house through a small window on the second floor bathroom. So they climbed up on the second floor? Yep. Huh. Insane. Mm-hmm. So the window was found open, and the mosquito 
screen had been removed and was lying outside on the roof. Okay. Pretty clear. Sure. Seemingly. They found footprints out there. It seemed pretty obvious, but there there's only so much they can say with like confidence. Yeah. So you know, so it's still alleged. There were also broken tree branches near the park's fence, which was just behind the house, which made it look like that was the method in which this murderer chose to get onto the second floor in the first place. The first target, once he entered the home, was Ray. The six-year-old? The six-year-old. Oof. Ray was asleep in the kid's bedroom, and he was strangled to death. Oof. Woken up from his sleep. It's in this bedroom where police find the most footprints. I mean, that makes sense. Like, the footprints would be, like, cleaned by the time... Oh, do they have, is a carpet not a thing? What do you mean by that? Well, like if if I had like mud on my boots or whatever, and I walked into the fucking house, like once I got into the carpet, that mud would be washed off pretty quick and then I wouldn't leave footprints anymore. I'm not sure. There are differing stories, I guess, on what exactly happened. Okay. So this yeah. is the closest people seem to know for sure, or at least guess, because there's only yeah. so much they can go on. Now, <clears throat> It's, there really isn't much more to say. In Ray, or the kid's bedroom, was where the most footprints were found, but they're really not, it doesn't seem like they're positive what that means. It's just what they found. The next victim after Ray was thought to be the father, Mikio. So police assume that before, like basically as the this intruder was making his way into the house, Mikio was on the first floor working on his computer. Okay. Uh, his body was found on the first floor beside the staircase with stab wounds from a sashimi bocho knife. I don't know what that is. Sashimi is fish, like a, sushi like a knife? filet knife, I guess. It's like one of those curved ones? It's what that sounds like. I didn't look it up. It sound, I, I heard knife and I assumed that just meant a knife and I didn't imagine what it was shaped like. But it says sashimi. Huh. So I'm not positive. A sashimi bocho knife and the wounds were mostly on his thighs and buttocks area. Ugh. But they were also on his arms, his chest and his face. He'd obviously put up so, a fight. Yeah, defensive wounds. Defensive wounds. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, he had clearly, based off of what they were able to find, injured the killer before he eventually died in this struggle. Um, a police report claimed that part of the sashimi knife's blade was broken off inside his head. Oof. So it was a rough one. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Yusuko had been asleep with Nina in a small nook in the attic. Why the fuck are they in a small nook in the attic? It's a really teeny tiny place. Like, it's very cramped. And I'll, sh- I'll have pictures for you. Okay. So hold on. Um, the theory is that while they were asleep, the killer first attacked Yusuko with the broken sashimi bocho knife before retrieving a second knife from the kitchen. So Yusuko tried to escape as she was bleeding from the wounds she received with Nina and at that point picked her up, possibly carrying her down, carrying her downstairs. I couldn't find exactly where their bodies were found. All I know is that both bodies were found crouched and their backs were touching. It looked like Yasuko had tried to defend her daughter before she died and it was in vain. Huh. Devastating. Mm-hmm. The last, unfortunately, to die was Nina, right. the eight-year-old daughter. She had been stabbed and presumably beaten as her first and third tooth were missing, as though something had been smashed into her face. Right. Um, and her cause of death was determined to be a stab wound that injured her spinal cord. So she had turned away. Jesus. And had been stabbed. This is a lot darker than Svalbard. It is much darker than Svalbard, that's true. But I don't know that it's as dark as necrophilia. No, this is worse. <laughs> this is worse. Uh, that case, just, 
I, it feels like it has to have been personal. It and really it had to have been somebody that knew the family well enough to know that they could attack without anybody hearing them. Right. And where the members of the family would be. Right. In the home mm-hmm. and how to get to each one of them and do it in a way that would be isolated. You know, and, but honestly, I also think that the most, most of the rage was centered around the little girl. The, yeah, the wife and the girl. Huh. Yeah. But I, I wonder too if the wife was so bad because she was trying to defend the little girl. Right. Well, both of them, see, the, the father, uh, Mikio, had received, so the boy seemed to have gotten the least, uh, I don't know, I guess. Aggressive. It, it was, aggressive death. He was strangled. Yeah, quieter. It was. It also makes uh, it sound like whoever was breaking in knew that that window was how he could gain access to the boy first and get rid of him. Do it Um, more gently so that he didn't have to suffer. Maybe. And then the father, obviously he had to, there was more of a fight there. So maybe whatever plans he had for him were kind of out the window and it was much more like decided heat of the moment. But that seemed fairly personal considering there were a lot of stab wounds to the head. Um, Yeah. Then moving to the mother and daughter, that seemed especially personal. Most of their wounds were to their faces and necks. Ugh. Right. Now, this doesn't really, this gets even more strange. Okay. The mystery's not over. So (laughs) after these murders have taken place, the killer apparently remained inside the house for anywhere from two to ten hours. Huh. So he used the restroom without flushing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That is. Just yeah, basically, he left he left feces in the toilet. That's DNA. Didn't seem yeah. to care. So he left that there. He ended up tossing Yasuko's personal belongings from both of her purses, Mikio's wallet, their house keys, and various documents into the toilet, along with a white towel smeared with his own blood and an empty cup of ice cream, of which he had eaten several out of their freezer. He consumed four barley teas from their fridge, patched up his injuries with first aid kits and other sanitary products. Uh, he rummaged through the family's documents from the first floor storage, took a nap on their sofa, and at 1.18 a.m., he connected to the internet using Mikio's computer. And during five minutes of usage, he apparently created a new folder and visited a theater's website, which was bookmarked by Mikio. What? Yeah. It's very brazen. Like he, very he bold. Was so comfortable. Yes, I mean he knew that he, he had to have known that the walls were soundproof, and he could get away with it and just hang out for as long as incredibly comfortable. It is mind blowing mm-hmm. and very angry sounding. Like the fact that he used the restroom and didn't flush sounds like right. Mo- it was motivated. To disrespect them even after the fucking middle finger. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. So it's believed that he could have been in the house until about 10 a.m. the next morning um, because the Internet had been accessed again on the same computer about that time. However, that's also about the time that the bodies were discovered by Yasuko's mother, who, after discovering the crime scene, may have knocked the mouse over because they'd found it on the floor, Um, which obviously like jostled the computer and disrupted the screensaver. And when it reopened, like refreshed, there, or yeah, whatever. there was a an internet window still open, which may have yeah. 
you know, in record looked like they were accessing the internet. Yeah. So they're not sure about that one. That's why it's very rough how long he may have actually stayed in the house. Now, long enough, though. I mean, my goodness. Right. So even stranger than all of that, after all of these things that he'd done, he left 10 items behind on the family's sofa, the knife, a muffler. Like for a car? That's my (laughs) first thought. But no, I don't think they mean that. I'm not sure exactly what they mean. I just, this is verbatim how I saw it in an article. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but a muffler. I highly doubt it's a car's muffler. <laughs> um, is this the thing that women used to, what, like, um, put their hands in when it was cold? Wasn't that called a muffler? Oh, it was December in Japan, so maybe. Something like that. Either way, a muffler, a hip bag, or a, fa- or a fanny pack, as we call it here. Uh-huh. As well as his sweater, his jacket, his hat, his gloves, his shoes, and two handkerchiefs, which were all folded and or displayed neatly. But it's December. Did he take the other dude's clothes? I don't know. Now, even with ample DNA evidence in the house, he left feces. He left blood. He didn't care. All of that was left behind. Like the cartridges for the ice cream with his DNA and stuff. Yeah, they got all that. They got his shoe size. Like so many fingerprints. They... They had all of that, and yet they never figured out who did it. They made no arrests. They had zero suspects the entire investigation. There were no matches in any databases. And based off of what they did find, the killer is certainly male. He's believed to be around 170 centimeters tall. I don't remember what that is in feet or inches. Uh, it's like under six foot. I know that. but He's believed to be of thin build. The police estimate that he was born between... 1965 and 1985, which would mean he was anywhere from 15 to 35 years old at the time of the murders. He was possibly mixed race based off of his blood. Uh, maternal DNA indicated a mother of European descent and a, and paternal DNA indicating a father of East Asian descent. But that's about the most they could get from that. A lot of the items he left behind were determined to have been purchased in Japan. But trace amounts of sand found in his fanny pack were determined to come from the Great Basin Desert, specifically the Edwards Air Force Base in California. Huh. I was gonna say this. I wonder. Sounds, go ahead. I was gonna say this sounds like a like government blacklist fucking type. It hit, sounds hit. crazy. Honestly, and um, I also wonder if the genealogy, like the genealogical DNA, could be used on this. But I kind of wonder too if. There is some reason this was covered up. Was it covered? Because I mean, I just it it seems so personal. Like you almost want to think it's like a hit or something, but then you realize how incredibly aggressive it was mm-hmm. and how it feels personal. I mean, it's two thousand. He could have gone in there with a gun, right? He didn't, but he. I mean, except for the little boy, he killed everyone with absolute rage. It was grisly. Jeez. Yeah. Um, here is a picture. And if you want, I can text these to you so you can see them. Uh, Alice, this is a picture of the bathroom. It's believed he broke in through. That's the window. Okay. Down here is the kid's bedroom where Ray was sleeping. Right. This is a yeah. map of the whole house. If you want to. Take a look at that. You yeah, could probably click a, on it and zoom in if you want. I can see this perfectly fine. So first floor, not much. Do you see like the scale of like the tables and chairs and stuff in there? It's yeah. very, it's pretty small. It's pretty cramped. Yeah. The whole house is, looks like the size of like maybe a two car garage. 
Yeah, it's tiny. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, for our listeners, I will put the link to a YouTube video in the description of this episode. I'm pretty sure it's a tour of the house. I know that it's led by Yusuko's sister, On, and it's probably filmed right before they ended up demolishing the house, which Tokyo had announced in 2019. Although I don't know if they actually have yet. I mean, I'm honestly kind of surprised that it lasted that long, but yeah, I would imagine they wanted to try to preserve as much evidence as they possibly could mm-hmm. for any kind of future evidence um, testing that could be done. In case but, like, there's a, an advance in technology. Like the or, how they caught the yeah. Golden State Killer type of thing. Right. That's the genealogical DNA. I mean, that's how they got him after... 50 years? Yeah, it was like 50 years, years since, his, since he disappeared. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's creepy. It's spooky. It's spooky. Um, it just seemed incredibly personal to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess That's that, why I find it hard to believe that no one has been pointed out with it. It Yeah, that sounds really weird. Um, the details I was looking at made a point to mention, like, they looked into where exactly the... Japanese items were purchased and they found like a province and then like isolated specifically his sweater, I guess, had only been there. There were only like 150 of them in the world, but they were only able to find like 12 people who owned them. And I guess they weren't suspects. Um, They were just lost. And I didn't I I mean, maybe they did look into because this was big news, obviously, like Tokyo was in an uproar over it. Um, Yeah. That's why it took them so long to feel like it was safe to demolish the house, which I mean, yeah. considering how like superstitious people in Japan are specifically about like grisly deaths or untimely deaths, deaths uh-huh. at all, pretty much in any residential home. Um, yeah. No one wanted to go near it, um, but it had sat there for so long. It was like, you know, it had fallen into disrepair and there was just no reason it to stay there what was the name of the knife again because i'm wondering if it's like because it also kind of makes me think of like an honor killing oh. yeah it was the Sashimi it was the Boka? shibuya roll call knife no no that's not it i mean <laughs> good job because you got close yeah <laughs> how do you spell it the hold on let me see okay so sashimi bocho is s-a-s-h-i-m-i B-O-C-H-O knife. Okay, yeah, that's just like... Oh, it's just like a chef's knife. It's just yeah. really long, a little yeah. narrower, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fucking brutal, though. I, so but that is very... Right, right here, it's the description of the knife. It says, length, the long blade allows the user to cut a block of flesh in a single stroke. Thinness, so- the blade is very thin behind the edge, which allows the cut to be made using primarily the weight of the knife. Which means it was intended to slash, not to stab. Without tearing or bruising of the flesh, yeah. Jesus. And there's no, I mean, there's no guard on that either, so he would definitely have wounds. I mean, most people who... Stab. Attack with a knife. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, that's if he stabbed. He did. But I feel like something like this would be... That would be something that you would bring with you from home. Like, what what kind of people do use this kind of knife? Like a chef, someone who uh, butchers. You know what I mean? Like, what 
who typically uses a knife like that and what do they use it for? Well, because it's, it's Japan. Maybe they got those sashimi knives just on every single corner. <laughs> <laughs> One in every home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just makes me wonder if it's something that's used for a specific thing and then that would help point in the direction of who committed the crime. It's uh, just an huh. odd choice for me. It is. Because it it's really made is. it's made to it looks like it's made to rip into flesh cleanly. Cuz it and like, they talked about the design in the article just that I just, you know, kind of glanced at that it doesn't it's not going to like leave it's not serrated. So it's not going to leave like zigzag marks. It's not going to rip at things or tear at them. It's just for clean cuts, which is why it's called right. sashimi. I'm sure it's actually used on fish. Right. Right. So would a person have that for a specific reason? Like if they were a fisherman or if they prepared, you know what I mean? Sushi. Like, who, Yes. Who uses that knife? Would everyone have something like that? And it's huge to be carrying around and like climb up a tree with it. Did I don't think he got it. Did he get it from the house? No. The sashimi knife, they they didn't... I mean, I guess it wasn't specified. It just said that he whipped it out and began to stab the father with it. And then specifically later, that after it broke, he went to the kitchen to receive retrieve a second knife. I mean, it looks like they're on average like over nine inches long. Same here. So that is not... <laughs> do what? You said it looks like they're on average over <laughs> nine inches long. And I do... I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I see. <laughs> but I, can you imagine, like, just sticking that in your back pocket and climbing up a tree to get into no. a tiny bathroom window? It doesn't make sense. Well, that's another they thing. Not- that's that's why it's alleged. Allegedly, he used the window to come in. It's possible that he used it to escape because the door w- front door was found locked, but... You know, I guess investigators took notice of how comfortable he seemed and how much he seemed to know about the house and made very little effort. Like, it looked like it was a very half-assed effort to make it look like a robbery because he did take money but left a lot more than he took. Right. Um, Yeah. So it's possible that he was an acquaintance and was allowed inside the house. But that's another thing, like Japanese culture, he would have taken his shoes off at the front of the house before walking around and it didn't look like he did that. But if you're there to kill someone, respect probably isn't a priority. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the order... Yeah, the respect goes down the toilet. <laughs> Great. Oh, Right. Oh. And I think there were so many um, footprints in the little boy's room because he spent so much time in there. I feel like he revisited. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of... I mean, I'd hate to say it. I hope I... Like, I imagine this is something they wouldn't put in like papers necessarily because i know um the sister on she was very outspoken about anyone speaking untoward or disrespectfully toward her sister and the her family members she had lost which makes sense but it kind of it makes you wonder like i wonder if maybe she'd had an affair right and i there comes a point where you have to if you want to find this person, you need to say everything you know, because that might reach the ears of a person who has knowledge that 
hadn't been accessed before then. Yeah. Um, yeah, very sad, very heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, what a way what a way to end end right our stories. On a downer. Can we go back to the bloodsucker? <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about him some more? <laughs> God. Well, on that note, Jessica, will you please spin the final wheel? Of course. It's my turn. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, okay. So what's, oh. what scene from a non-horror movie scared you as a child? Um, would you consider Jurassic Park horror? No. No. I, I'd consider that just action thriller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I had a lot of Jurassic Park nightmares as a child. <laughs> totally I, Yeah, my recurring nightmare was that the uh, Tyrannosaurus would show up at my house, eat stomp, you know, and I would be awoken in the middle of the night to oh, glasses of water in my room shaking and rippling. Every time you were taking a dump, you just imagine <laughs> <laughs> that the roof was going to open up and a T-Rex is going to be there. What it would do is it would lift. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, obviously, not being in a dream. But in the dream, he would pick up my house and shake it so that. Like I would, out? so that I would fall out into his mouth. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that it's was awful. that was my recurring nightmare. I, I had that. I must have had that like twenty times throughout my childhood. God, poor baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Uh, so mine's not from an action thriller. Okay. Uh, mine is from a. I would consider it a children's movie. Is it ET? No. Willy Wonka. No. <laughs> Matilda. Your sister's gonna know. Matilda. Oh, Matilda? Okay. Yes. So I know, like, right off the cuff, everyone's like, oh, like the. Trunchbull. The, yeah, Trunchbull and, like, the locker. The her, choky. Her, the choky and her weird, like. Yes. Her weird, like, weightlifting house. But no. Do you know what it was? <laughs> was it the sight of her sweaty wearing her, like, weightlifting belt? No, no. While terrifying, that did not. <laughs> <laughs> that did not, in the, fact, scare the me. Chocolate cake. It was the chocolate cake. Really? It was, I knew it. It was the nasty old woman, <laughs> like, licking her fingers and making this little chunky kid eat this entire cake. Like, it disgusted me. <laughs> and I had nightmares about that woman. The old lady. The old lady. Saying, saying not that her, her nose. Uh-huh. Saying that her blood, sweat, and tears went into making the yes. cake. Yes. Yes. I was, I was so scared and disgusted. And then it didn't help that, like, Pretty pretty soon after watching that for the first time, I watched The Shining, and like that old woman oh in the bathtub my. fucked me up even Yuck. more. Oh no! How old were you no. when you saw The Shining for the first time? Right, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think I was like six. <laughs> you were six? Who let you watch The Shining? I don't know. Probably you. I, no, <laughs> I okay. When you were six, I was what twelve? Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch it around you. We lived in a really small apartment. We had like two TVs. Jessica, <laughs> I watched the fucking Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like four or five. Four? Oh my God. What did our parents do to us? I watched Terrible that. things. Mom, mom let me watch Stay Up until like 3.30 and I watched the very first horror film I ever watched was Dolls. Ugh. I was four years old and I owned dolls. This was an incredible oh. oversight. Like this was very poor decision making on mom's part. Yeah. I had also oh, recurring nightmares no. about dolls, but that was a horror film. So I couldn't say that one. Yeah. Oh my God. Leprechauns fucked me up for a while there. 
Leprechaun? <laughs> Leprechaun. I was obviously very sheltered as a child. Because <laughs> that is nowhere near what mine is. What's so, yours? Oh, my gosh. Maleficent. In Maleficent, Sleeping Beauty? Ter- yes. It, it terrified. When she turned into a dragon. Oh. <laughs> See, for me. I will never forget that. No, of course not. For me, it was the scene where she sends in. It didn't make any sense. So Sleeping Beauty or Aurora is crying in her room because she can't have sex with the prince. She's like, no, I'm so mad. I have to marry this other prince and I can't sleep with this hot guy I found in the woods. I'm very angry about that. So she's crying. And then Maleficent sends in this like, like creepy, sickly, like lime green orb into her room and like lures her into this like secret passageway and the whole time there's this like sickly like singing coming from it and yes the aurora is like entranced she's hip like hypnotized by it and she goes rigid like she's a corpse and starts like toddling up the stairs after it we've all seen (laughs) the movie jessica that terrified me (laughs) it was a freaking scary movie it was I, i i will i can still remember like watching it and sitting on my couch and ending up behind my couch because i was terrified (laughs) it was awful you know what's uh, another scene so like definitely a scene that was never meant to be scary but definitely creeped me out as a kid i was all every time i watched this movie which i loved i would hate when this scene rolled around and i'd have to like walk away for a little bit until it was over oh god it's this one scene in Bambi. 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 Oh, oh. So he's pretty newly born. When his when his mama got shot? No, no, she's still alive oh. at this point. It's the beginning of the movie. It's still pretty early on. She's alive. She's asleep, you know, and he's snuggling next to her, and it starts to rain. And there's this scene where like he just has this terrified expression on his face because he's never seen rain before. So it starts raining, and they start playing this like you know that like tiptoe through the tulip song. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really creepy. This so a song similar to that, or at least one that gives me the same kind of feeling, starts playing. It's and like they go, the drip, drip, drop, little April showers, blah 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 yes. blah 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 blah. And I, I hear it, and it like yes. it echoes in this like creepy, eerie way. And the whole time he doesn't move, he's just staring, terrified at the rain. And it made me so uncomfortable as a child. <laughs> God. See, I'm so glad that I'm not alone. You're not. Man, it terrified me. Disney can be frightening. Yes. <laughs> oh. Those are good answers. That was a good one. We'll have to keep that on the wheels that maybe we roll yeah, on it again. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was good. Makes me feel bad, better about my Well, Alice May, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was my pleasure. I was glad to be here. Yeah, you were a blast. Your story was fantastic. So are you guys. So much fun. And you did so well. I hope your husband does as much work on his research because he's going to be a guest here pretty soon as well. I'll make him. I hope so. Do it. I will. The last time he Seriously. was here, he was just spitballing his memories for like um, an hour. Honestly, that was like one of the more traumatic memories I think I've ever heard anyone 
Tell me. That was pretty awful. Oh, I I know which one he told you, too. And I actually, I remember thinking, he is never going to shut up. And they're going to hate it and be like, my God, why did we ask him? Why? <laughs> oh. oh. He's, I think he's talking to Lyle right now. Oh, he's talking to him on the in phone? A, yeah, on a, in a very animated. My kids are still awake. <laughs> are mine? Like, I haven't killing. heard them scream they're in, in a bed. while. Okay. They're in bed. Okay. Yeah, on the weekends, mine usually on. we give them some leeway. I mean, I do too, but it's almost one. So that's out the window. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're an hour ahead. Yeah, but it makes sense. You know, they all share the same bed in their trailer. So. I can (laughs) (laughs) Death before dishonor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. And that is going to conclude this week's episode. We'd like to once again thank our generous patrons. And if you'd like to join them, please visit threeshotsin.com where you can find a link to our Patreon page as well as a one-time donation page through PayPal uh, as well as our social media accounts. It helps us a lot that you continue to listen and uh, help us to keep going. That's right. And if you are second-guessing wanting to join us on Patreon, you are dumb because we have Three Shot Cinema and it's awesome. This week we are going to be watching our first double feature. It is going to be The Wicker Man. And Willie's Wonderland. I'm really not looking forward oh, to I've it. Oh, I've been, I'm so excited. And it we has, will discuss. My least favorite actor is the star of both of those. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, feel free to like, rate, subscribe, and share our podcast with all of your loved ones and your children and your not neighbors. Your, don't, nope, don't show your children. Don't listen to it with your kids. <laughs> uh, next week, the topic is still undecided, but we will be having Hanzo. As a guest, As yes. a guest. So we had his wife, Alice May, on tonight. Uh-huh. And Hanzo will be on next week, so that's pretty exciting. Maybe we can get him to talk shit about her during the break. I bet he uh-huh. will. He seems to without without any hesitation, so. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. And lastly, if you heard anything that we said that was, like, you know, not accurate or, or whatever, then go ahead and email us. Let us know. Fanmail at threeshotsin.com. You can tell us that we're wrong. Right. I've gotten a couple messages, some, you know, DMs and an email or two from some of you guys saying that we were wrong about certain things. But you kind of only say that it frustrates you, not what specifically was incorrect. Yeah. Like, do I fudge details here and there because it's funnier? Yeah. Who doesn't? Okay. (laughs) So if it honestly upsets you, please tell us exactly what needs correcting and we'll read it into the episode after that so that, you know, everybody has the the truth. Yeah. We can all be happy in the truth. However, if no one corrects us on anything, we will safely assume that we're correct about everything we say. Yeah. You have seven days. You have seven days to correct us. (laughs) Or else we are we are, we are 100% correct. And it's you that's wrong. So, and there is one more request we will ask of our listeners. Last week we took shots of a sickly sweet uh, black coffee flavored rum. And uh, apparently it just shredded Jacob's intestines. It so did. we... Do not want to do that again. However, we do still own it and we don't just want to throw it away. So if any of you have any recipes for cocktails or any ideas as to what we can mix it with in order to drink it and not waste it, 
please send those to us at fanmail at threeshotsin.com or jake or jess at threeshotsin.com. Uh, we would definitely appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Alice May. This has been a fantastic <laughs> episode and we had so much fun. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Good night. Bye.